Happy belated birthday, Christopher. Oh, thank you. Thank yes. you. We both had birthdays in April. Wow, that's yeah, crazy. Wow. It's I, great to be uh, 33, I believe. Yes, 33. Mm. Yeah. 39. <laughs> <laughs> a, a year older and not, not a damn day wiser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? Same here. <laughs> so, <laughs> what is it? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, fans, welcome yeah. to the show. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> no, so, welcome to Season 3, Episode 24, That Coffin Joe Trilogy, recorded. Tuesday, May 2nd, 2017. Is life everything and death nothing? Or is life nothing and death everything? It's such a riddle, isn't it? That, more on the next <laughs> THSP podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, welcome, fans and dear listeners, to our fourth episode of Season 3. Yes, that Coffin Joe trilogy. You don't know who he is? Question mark? Well, that's okay. After tonight, you will. And don't worry, your soul may get possessed, but we promise to return to you almost as good as new. We are your hosts, Tim and Chris, now part of the Speakeasy Podcast Network at www.thespeakeasypodcastnetwork.tumblr.com. Join us and our friends there with such fantastical podcasts like Throwing a Controller with Kevin Kerrigan, Chris Barreras, Eric Braha, and Brian Warren. They know and love video games, and you lucky ducks get a chance to listen. You like fighting video games? Then join Dave and Kevin as they whip out their fighting sticks for their show, Fighting Words. Them be fighting words, honky. Have you ever <laughs> dreamed of possible sequels or prequels to your favorite films, film franchises, and television shows? Well, then join Mark Risman and Dave Rodriguez as they pitch their various ideas to us and each other. Now, do you love scripted comedy about two wild and crazy guys and all the adventures they have trying to own and operate their own video store? Well, then listen to the Mark and Ken Video Store podcast with Mark Risman and Ken Zuckerman. Hey, guys and ladies, do you like Dungeons and Dragons? You know, a little D&D. Then join James Mullins and crew as they take you on a fantasy ride that will blow your mind with lousy bums. Finally, last but certainly not least, the latest addition to our podcasting family, the Drunk Drawer Podcast with Adam Davis and Josh Thompson. They are a bi-weekly podcast where topics are pulled from a drunk drawer and things get learned, y'all. So make sure you have a number two pencil sharpened and ready. There will be a Scantron test at the end of the show, and we don't grade on a curve. And I would also like to add that the Junk Drawer just released a podcast episode on April 16th called Episode 5, You Vlad Me at Impaler. You know that cool old dude from Romania who battled <laughs> the Turks and the Oatman Empire and became the inspiration for Bram Stoker's Dracula? Oh, yeah, wait, that dude. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that guy, you know. Uh, well, I highly recommend it to all our horror fans. It's a must-listen-to episode, and you'll be glad you did. So, Chris, it's been a while. You know, you know, this episode was supposed to be our April episode. I know. But life got in the way. It did. How have you been, buddy, and oh, what is new with you? I, I have been just fine. I, uh, I, I, I was actually looking... <clears throat> Very forward to a uh, a nice warm spring season. Yeah, and then no. all of a sudden it just turned out cold again. Yeah, now we got partial floodings and yes, fifty yes. degree weather. Oh, good lord! Welcome to spring. I know. <laughs> yes, but uh, I am hoping that because uh, this is uh, May, so I'm hoping that uh, 
the the cold front will pass us by and we will finally get the warm season. But besides that, um, not much has been going on with me. Um, just kind of uh, working out what's going on with the uh, <clears throat> new position that I've been. Uh, the new, oh wow! Well, I mean, no, no, not that new position. <laughs> but uh, Chris, no, 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 I never knew. No, the 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 new job, which yes. I'm being very cagey the job about. Yeah. The new job. Yeah, the the new job that I'm being very cagey about. But anyways, um, you're wily. <laughs> Right, but uh, besides that, not much has been going on. I've been trying to um, uh, just check out whatever movies that I can get a hold of. I did recently watch, um, you know, in as much as we talk about horror movies, you know, cult films and films that probably not. That's kind of our wheelhouse, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And maybe certain films out there that some people would probably just say, uh, no, not interested, get away from me. (laughs) Um, I did check out the uh, animated film Zootopia recently. Oh, yeah. I did, yeah. I really did like that. It was very good. It is very good. Yeah. Yeah. And um, what's interesting, too, is that when the mo- when the movie begins, you just get the title. You don't know like who does the voices yet until mm-hmm. the end of the movie. And I knew it. The, the Fox character in there was immediately voiced by Jason Bateman yes. because they they I don't know what they did, but his in the movies that he always that he well that he's been in recently, most of the comedies, you know, even though yes, you know it's him, Jason Bateman. Mm-hmm. You know he's going to give a Jason Bateman performance because of his line delivery and his inflections, right? And they translated that very well into Zootopia because when he started talking and doing all these weird – I'm like, they either must have improv done like you know improv line reading and everything because it's got – his line deliveries pretty much play right. like – you know. Well, you know, that, that was actually one of my top ten list movies yeah, of last yeah. year. Um, but yeah, no, I, I totally get what you're saying. It's, 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 it's a great film. Right, right. Um, I mean what I was saying with that is that you know – when so, when you do an animated movie and, and like a big star voices it, mm-hmm. you have to kind of just sit and listen in, and sometimes you won't be able to pick up who it is until maybe later on, or right? Whatever. You, you know, you hear the, the voice is familiar to you, but you yeah, can't yeah, just yeah. peg it yet. But because they got his inflections down, it's like, oh yeah, this is totally Jason Bateman <laughs> before yes. before even figuring out it was actually him. So yeah, a, a nice family movie with a strong message that yeah, yeah. Um, just it's a, bit of a perfect film. Yeah. Well, and, film. and you know what? The more I think about it, looking at it. Even though it's not like a cell animated like the classic Disney mm-hmm. of, of, of you know you know like the thirties forties fifties and sixties, um, it does have the uh, character traits that you could see like yeah. like the fox character reminded me of the fox character in the uh, their, their animated Robin Hood from the seventies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, there's it's very interesting how they still managed to put that Disney uh, persona yeah. in the in them, but it's still very. They know good. what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I and I and I personally love the uh, the little. Uh, was it the moles that the the, 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 uh, with, the oh. with the Godfather yeah, references? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you come God. to me on my daughter's uh, wedding. I know. I was. Was it a mole or a rat? I, 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 I thought it was like a shrew. Yeah, or first, you know, but it was some kind of like little mini thing, right. you know. <laughs> and then you got them like crushing through like the little towns. And <laughs> I know. I was like, wow, way to take it to like Godzilla proportions in this thing. But I, I really did enjoy that too. And and someone told me about. I, I haven't checked it out yet, but someone told me about the uh, other one that was out called the. Uh, the secret, the secret life of pets. Yes, the secret, secret life of pets. Yeah. That that is a cute film. That's my I mean, that's my daughter's favorite film, and that's one of the films I took my daughter to see for the first time uh, at the, like the, the second run theaters. And mm-hmm. it, it's now on Netflix. We've probably seen it about twenty times. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's funny. It's not as good as Zootopia by by a long shot, but it, yeah. it, but it's but it's cute and it's it's fun. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm not gonna. You can't compare. It's like comparing apples and oranges. Right. It's like, so just letting all you know out there. Yes, sometimes you know us guys, us ghouls like yeah. ourselves. Well, we, we have a softer side. Yes, we do have a softer side into in in, in, in our movie going experiences yes. here. So, but uh, besides that, not much going on. Well, I, you know, 
uh, just um, getting ready for, like I said, for spring and summer. I'm very looking forward to summer. Yes. I just I can't. I really can't wait. I mean, <laughs> no. even though once the heat sets in, I'm probably going to be like, oh, turn on the air conditioning. <laughs> I can't wait for summer, though. I can't wait. I'm to not to... repaving the driveway again, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm probably going to have to do that. <laughs> but besides that, I'm just looking forward to summer, uh, the pool. Yes. Getting a good tan. That's yeah. everything I can. Yeah, that's everything I'm looking Yeah, for. you were quite brown <laughs> last summer, <laughs> if I remember. <laughs> well, I, I'm just looking forward to it. It looked like you camped it. out in the sun. I know, yeah. <laughs> probably went to Italy and got like a good tan and everything but but besides that yeah i'm looking forward to it it's um and also kind of fixing up the yard getting it real nice and everything putting fertilizer down you know doing all the uh you know um you know responsible stuff you know i guess you can say real life things that the I stuff have that to comes with, with being a homeowner and yeah, stuff yeah, yeah well partial homeowner. Yeah. but anyway but besides that uh, that's all i have going on how about actually you know i know you've got a lot going on yes so. yes well now if you listen to our last episode which if you haven't shame on you and why haven't you um get on that folks <laughs> come on <laughs> yes no uh, i've been we've been very busy uh, and i'm gonna try to shorthand this and make this short and sweet as possible but since our last recording we staged our house uh we put it on the whole housing market and an offer was made and accepted in just under 24 hours of being on the said housing market, and it was over our asking price, so we jumped on that and said, sold. <laughs> so now, then a couple weeks later, we, I spent a week in Minnesota. That's where my wife is, where we're transferring from my wife's uh, job, and we went house hunting with the family, and that was a very tiring week, <laughs> but uh, it paid off in the end, and we mm-hmm. found a house, and we were able to put an offer in, and it was accepted. Good, um, good. So it's a beautiful home, uh, but life has been crazy the last few weeks, and other than that, um, you know, been you know doing a little bit of reading, um, flip flopping between Stephen King, Salem's Lots, what I just started, and Night Shift, another story of his, and having some father son bonding time with my uh, playing the old PS3 and PS4 games of the Uncharted franchise. It's an action adventure game, and I also just started playing Until Dawn, which is a slasher video game that came out came out a couple years ago, yeah. and it plays like a movie. So so far, that's a lot of fun. So I mean, I'm I'm trying to. I'm trying to be the responsible adult and get all my adulting done, but I'm also trying to kind of relax a little bit <laughs> and so also you, preparing for this episode. So you're trying to be the responsible adult at what age again? Um, 39. Shut up, Chris. <laughs> Shut up, Chris. <laughs> no, I just – you just that just like went off like a light bulb. And yes, then, of course, yes. it, the spark just – And I play with my Legos <laughs> in my room. Leave me alone. Gosh, Mom. Well, you know, you were mentioning books there and you had yes. asked me before um, we started if I had, was reading yeah, anything. Yeah, because I know we, we do like to read from time to time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, I – it was very interesting because um, a, a month or so ago – uh, you put up on the uh, our uh, web our uh, Facebook fan page because mm-hmm. um, uh, Jack H Harris, the producer of the Blob, he yes. passed away, and I kind of found out after re- reading that um, that obit that you put up. I think it was from the Hollywood Reporter, or I might be wrong, but it was from one of those. And uh, I found out that he had recently wrote a um, wrote a book called Father of the Blob, where he basically talks a little bit about the making, basically his side of the story of making that film, but also just his experiences in the business. Um, and I figured I'd pick that up. And it was for about like, you know, 16 bucks on Amazon and everything. But uh, it's a very interesting read. I um, And he kind of dispels some, uh, you know, like I guess you can say false myths about the production of that film as well as some other things that, you know, he's been surrounded with. And I find it very interesting because he's kind of, I think I had written in a response to that 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 obit you put up there saying mm-hmm. that he didn't quite he didn't quite reach the level of like Roger Corman in the sense of the right. cinematic output but 
I, I, I think, you know, if one reads interviews with him, and I've read a few, as well as reads this book, you'll kind of find it very interesting that he really, you know, put a lot of effort into the production of the films that he did. And I do maintain that I think the best sci-fi movie he made, uh, the exception of The Blob, I do like the original film. I do like the remake. And he does talk a bit about the the recent attempts of doing a remake now, another remake of it, of the of the Blob. Wouldn't it be like the fourth remake of the Blob, or uh, the third remake? I, I, no, I think it was remade first in '88. Right, and then. There's been like a lot of negotiations about trying to do it again. I, for some reason, maybe it's Invasion of Body Snatchers. There's yeah, well, Invasion well, of Body Snatchers been remade like, like two times. Yeah, or, yeah. But anyway, getting back to but, the Blob. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think his best sci-fi film, with the exception of of the, of the first Blob, I think his best one that he did was a movie called The 4D Man, made mm. in '59, which is a very interesting movie about being able to walk through walls and everything. A very, very, very fun little movie. But um, I, 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 I've been reading some parts. Here's the thing: I get the book. And once, and I, I've been kind of skimming through pages because part of me wants to know about something ahead of time. Right. But, but um, you're no, one of those. People. I, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> skip I, to the end. Like no, I'm, I'm like I want to know about how he got involved with uh, picking up that movie Equinox. I want to know how he got involved with Dark Star. You know, I'm. But, but so far I, I went back and I started beginning from the beginning and reading, and it's like very interesting. So I mean, if you want to, if you're willing to read about people who have worked in the business for many, many years, you know. These old timers, basically, you know, I do recommend picking up this book. I mean, because you do get some interesting stories and some interesting perspectives about, you know, his experience and just how much things have changed from when he started to what it was now, you know, like just reading the negotiations that he had going through trying to get another remake of The Blob going, (laughs) (laughs) reading some of that, I was just going... Wow, it, it it almost makes one want to say just don't bother because you know yeah, going to capture that magic. Well, not just that, but just the negotiation of going behind it. You know, like trying to get Warner Brothers to do it, and then trying to get someone else to do it, and then you know the options that you have for it. It's like you know, after a while, you just end up saying, Man, "What's the point?" You know, because I think he would negotiate, and then they would get you know some money up front. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like as a starting point, and then. After like maybe a year option, like nothing happens, and then it's like, you know, he's probably sitting there thinking, "Wow, I'm just getting money for nothing that's going that's happening," you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> so, but uh, no, I, I do, you know, if you want to read a very interesting other side of the story, you know, check it out. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely have to put that on my list right after I finish the other two books, which I'm about halfway through with yeah. both. Like I said, I get I wouldn't say bored because Stephen King, you don't get you can't get bored Stephen King, but it's like I just want I'm like I want okay, I want to do something different. I want to look at something different. Yeah. So I'll flip flip between those two, and then um, I want to. Uh, uh, visit it because since the new movies yeah, since, since the mm-hmm. remake movies coming out. I believe, so. Did the trailer drop for that? I the the, the trailer the... dropped and it is freaky as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, but it's awesome. It, from the trailers, it looks like um, I guess maybe my um, you know maybe you know my little flutters of like nervousness yeah. have gone some away of, about s- some of your suspicions. Have yeah, been sort have, of, have been lifted. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. for the time being, um, yeah. as opposed to when we had to to, to sit through the Ghostbusters remake. Well, room. well, some of our suspicions were a little, you know. You know yeah, little, again, we're comparing two. I know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> apples yeah. and okay. You know. But I mean, dog shit. Well, <laughs> yeah, but but I mean, you know, because like I said, um, most people are, will, will probably look at it. As the the made for TV film that we're all kind yeah. of you know 
we're all well familiar yeah. with. Let's put it that way. Let's just say uh, I fall in the category like most. Um, I love the first half of it with the, with yeah, the kids. Yeah, I do. But I think the wheels kind of fall off in like the second half where the adults are are, are brought in, brought back to the, the town. Yeah. Uh, I just felt that their performance was, were kind of lackluster in the TV special. So um, I'm really interested to see how they're going to tackle this because I believe it's going to be broken up into yeah. two parts. One is just going to be all the, the, the kids and then I think maybe part two is going to be um, the adults. But again, I don't know. I, I, I the, you know, I yeah, keep you, forgetting. You said the wheels fall off in the second part of the TV. Yeah. Not only do the wheels fall apart, but the shocks, brakes, the struts, everything else. I mean, <laughs> and it, it goes careening down yeah, a, a yeah, hill yeah. off whereas, a cliff. Whereas the first half is just the beautiful car that you bought that, that really yeah. just shines. And then, you re- <laughs> and then you realize the car has no engine. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I... I, I no, but, but Tim Curry is amazing. And the, the, this new kid, uh, I forget his name off the top of my head right now, um... But he was, he was taking up the mantle as Pennywise. It just he he looks like he's gonna put his own like little spin on it, but yeah. still keep it like that very creepy and scary you know individual right. or entity. So I'm so I'm, that's one to look forward to. It definitely, you know I mean? definitely, and, 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 then, and hopefully it delivers. <laughs> yeah, and then since it's May and it's coming out like this Friday, I think. Uh, May 5th, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, which yeah. I am very interested to see because I, I love James Gunn as a direct writer and director, and I just found out that he is also going to be signed on for the third one. So he's doing the entire, almost entire, I think the, the entire franchise or the trilogy of the Guardians of the Galaxy, which is kind of a breath of fresh air because most directors will hop on for one, maybe two films, and he's doing all three. Yeah. So, you know, that's very cool. I mean, I don't know. Have you had a chance to see Guardians of the Galaxy yet? No, not yet. I haven't. Put it on your list. Okay, you'll you'll like will. it. The, the music alone from like the seventies and eighties <laughs> is worth it. Chris Pratt is 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 dynamite, and so is the rest of the, the cast. So, uh, anyway, I think we should maybe you know uh, get into our show a little bit. I think so. Or um, we could just derail this and go into something else. Uh, derail, <laughs> uh, creening off the side of a mountain. Yes, yes. Um, get uh, this ship back on track. <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, once again, there will be no. Uh, there will not be a what have we watched segment for this yeah. episode. But don't worry, folks. Once we get to the point where we're just talking about two movies, yes. or, 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 or you know, we'll try to fit one in. So. Yes, yes. So, Chris, why don't you explain what this episode is about? Well, um, okay. Well, uh, basically, uh, I have everything written out here. So, um, we have notes. Yes, we do have <laughs> notes. Okay, so let me just go ahead and start off here. Oh, and by the way, before I begin, I got mo- some of this information from a uh, book titled Fear Without Frontiers, Horror Cinema Across the Globe. It was published way back in 2003. Oh, my God. Uh, and it did uh, consist of a chapter, which I believe was part one, uh, which was called Artists, Actors, and Auteurs. And it had a um, uh, uh, a basically a chapter devoted to Coffin Joe titled Coffin Joe and Jose Mojica Marin's Strange Men for Strange Times by Andre Barsinski. Um, and I got some information from that book uh, that I was able to look up so f- for this. So, um, so let me begin here. So when, when one speaks about cult horror from Brazil, the name Jose Mojica Marins usually comes to mind. And it sounds like a drink almost. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes. He's seriously one strange dude. And because of that, it should come as no surprise that Marins would not only specialize in early Brazilian horror cinema, but he would completely embody the genre through his branded character, uh, Zé de Cachau, which, when translated to English, means Coffin Joe. Wearing a top hat, dressed head to toe in black, possessing... Pimp. 
yes, possessing long, razor-sharp fingernails and pontificating over the meaning of life and death while attempting to sire the perfect child, even if that means killing a few intruders that happened to be in his way, Marins would introduce Coffin Joe to the Brazilian public in the early 1960s, and he never looked back. But to understand... Uh, Jose Mojica Marins, his character Coffin Joe in Brazilian Horror, we have to go back to the beginning. So he was born on March 13th of 1936, and he would be introduced to cinema via his parents who owned a movie theater in Sao Paulo in Brazil. Uh, in his late teens, Marins would make various short films with friends in order to understand the craft of filmmaking. Uh, allegedly, he completed over 80 short films, but they were never officially shown to the public. Uh, in the late 1950s and early 1960s, Marins would transition to acting, and he even managed to direct his very first feature-length motion picture, titled Adventurer's Fate in 1958, which was a Brazilian Western filmed in black and white in an anamorphic cinemascope. By 1964, uh, Jose Mojica Marins was attempting to produce a juvenile delinquent film, The Doom Generation, with Marins playing the lead character. But that idea went out the window when Marins decided to change gears and produce a horror film instead. Mm. This was the result of a nightmare that he had in which he dreamt about a dark figure pulling him to a cemetery and placing him next to a tombstone with his name on it. And thus, it took a horrible nightmare to plant the seed for Marins to make a small horror film in black and white. But while Marins was a fan of the horror genre, the Brazilian film industry only specialized in movies geared towards melodrama, action, and comedy. It seemed that no one had previously tackled the genre for the local Brazilian audiences. And so, despite wallowing in the untested genre waters, Jose Mojica Marins would make the very first Brazilian horror production, and it would have a very catchy title, At Midnight, I'll Take Your Soul. Of course, Marins' first venture into horror wasn't exactly smooth sailing on the production end. His parents sold their house and car to finance the production, as the introduction of horror genre was so risky that Marins couldn't find any film companies willing to invest in his project. While the production was meager and very rough around the edges, At Midnight I'll Take Your Soul would be unleashed for Brazilian theaters and it would become a box office hit. During this period in Brazil, the censorship board was decentralized, which resulted in various states in the country having their own separate censorship requirements. At Midnight, I'll Take Your Soul would suffer being banned in some territories due to the film's blasphemous content, but in other territories, the picture received continuous theatrical play. So with that saying, let's go ahead and start off with the movie At Midnight, I'll Take Your Soul. But what's that? We should what? Roll that trailer. Yes, roll that trailer. At Midnight, I'll Take Your Soul from 1964. When you listen to that more show podcast, uh-huh. Uh-huh. yes, folks. Naughty, naughty. Yeah, yeah. Okay, look, there are trailers, but they're in Portuguese language only. So we, yes. if we put them on here, of course, you know, we it's, would, unless you're from Brazil, unless you're yeah, listening yeah. from Brazil, you're the only ones going to be able to yeah, understand. Yeah. However, I did post the trailers on our YouTube fan page, so if you want to check them out, yes. they're up there. They, so. they are up there. Uh, you might have to do a little scrolling. And I just actually uploaded the first and second movies onto our Facebook page. So yes, yes. if you guys want to kind of watch, and then um, if you haven't seen them yet and then listen to us that's what yeah, we kind of yeah. did it for you or if you, you want to own them please go out and buy them on DVD yeah. I, I know that Synapse Films recently re-released the uh, first two movies on DVD and so if you please support physical media everybody yes, yes please. <laughs> so, so with that said At Midnight I'll Take Your Soul starts off with a strange intro featuring the main character Coffin Joe played by Jose Mojica Marins talking directly to the audience about death 
and blood being the existence of life. Then, after the credits roll, a creepy gypsy woman informs the audience to not watch the movie due to the scary nature of the story. She's hot. Yes. When the clock strikes midnight, the gypsy says it's too late to leave and that you'll suffer and that at midnight she will take your soul. Great intro. There's nothing like having a movie that dares you to sit through it. So (laughs) afterwards, the story opens at a small Brazilian town in which the locals live in fear over Coffin Joe, who runs the local funeral parlor and openly defies God and all that is good and holy. Joe wishes to have a son and pines with the local girl, Terzinia, but she is romantically involved with Joe's friend, Antonio. Joe's female assistant, Lenitia, tries to get with him, but our main villain decides to tie Lenitia down and place a poisonous spider on her to test as a test to see how she will handle the situation. Well, Letitia dies via the spider bite, and Coffin Joe then decides to kill Antonio by drowning him in a bathtub. Joe attempts to win over Terzinia, but she rebuffs his advances, and Joe proceeds to rape her. The next day, Terzinia is found dead as she hung herself, leaving behind a suicide note blaming Coffin Joe for her death. Dr. Rodolfo suspects the whole thing, the whole thing, but Coffin Joe puts an end to the poor doctor by poking his eyes out and setting the poor man on fire. Time passes, and during the Day of the Dead, Coffin Joe's own defiance over God will be tested on this special night. So, you know, so I heard about this. Actually, I heard about Coffin Joe. It's kind of interesting I heard about him. Um, back in the uh, mid-90s, as a young uh kid who loved going to video stores and renting movies, mm-hmm. as well as buying videos through uh, mail-in catalogs that, you know, specialized in getting rare and obscure pictures and everything. Um, you kept some of those. Do you still have those? I on? still, I think I still have some of them. Yeah. But, um, they might be worth something. Yeah, yeah. But um, I, I read about Coffin Joe from a video company called Something Weird Video, which is still around to this day. Uh, something where video specialized in putting out the um, the Herschel Gordon Lewis movies, Dave Friedman films, Doris Wishman films, and then they were looking into other movies, and they had picked up some of the Coffin Joe films and they put them out on VHS. And I remember reading the catalog and seeing some of the titles. And and, and at that time, now you got to think about this. At that time, I was a young kid. Uh, you know, the, and they describe what these movies were about. But you you think about it, they sound like these films sound like they were like really like explicit, uh, you know, terrifying movies. So, of course, I never got to order the <laughs> movies and check them out. So, But the name Coffin Joe did, and and, and the guy who made him, Jose Mojica Marins, uh, stuck with me, whereas in uh, mid-2000s, I heard that they had released the um, two films on DVD. First, they were released by a company called Fantoma, and I picked those up. They've recently been re-released on DVD through Synapse Films. Mm-hmm. So, is it just on DVD or on Blu-ray as well? Uh, just on DVD. I heard that Synapse tried to – they wanted to put them on Blu-ray, but the rights owner claimed that the original negatives couldn't be couldn't be transferred mm. because they're just in, in near deteriorating condition, and which is which is another one of those things that kind of makes me cry because it's – cry inside basically because it's like, you know, the – I do like the films, and it makes you say, why would they be deteriorating like that? Mm-hmm. But then, you know, storage facilities in Brazil, I guess, aren't really uh, in the most tip-top shape. So, of course... But, you know, but at least you got them on, at least they're on DVD. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I mean, they're on video of some they'll sur- kind. They'll survive Right, somehow. right, right. So, well, I know, but you you wish for, like, a nice, right. like, restoration of them. But anyways, so I picked them up way back when, when Fantoma released them, and I really enjoyed them. And... 
that's how I kind of became a little more familiar with Coffin Joe. So, um, and you obviously had not heard about him until I mentioned yeah, until about about two months ago. <laughs> two months ago, basically. So, so uh, that has to be said. Um, early Brazilian cinema wasn't really what you'd like to call advanced. So, looking at it, Midnight, I'll Take Your Soul. Uh, if you walked into this movie, let's say, without any idea what it's about, uh, you know, the movie is it's it is very rough around the edges. It it it, it does have a very poverty stricken budget, and it's it's it's. Yeah. It reminds me of a lot of other uh, other early uh, low budget films, not even in in, in America that, yeah, that, yeah. that just try to tell a story yeah, yeah. and didn't have like the financial backing. Right. Um, well, it, it feels like the movie could have been like it. It could have been made in the early '30s, but but even in the, but even in the early '30s, you know they What's, they still had some advancements of the right. time. So. With, with some of the special effects, you could definitely tell even oh, yeah, even yeah, for yeah. that time period, well, the '60s, it was dated. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like you can tell, like when he's standing behind a black background, that it's obviously a sheet because you can see some of the creases. Right. I mean, I'm not honestly the reason why I'm explaining this is because if you walk into this movie watching it, you know it's not an advanced film, but. No. What makes the movie so interesting is the fact that it does have a very, it does have a very grim and squalid storyline to yeah. sort of support it, and it has a very energetic performance by its lead performer. Yeah. So it, yeah. it, it is a very unique and interesting film. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Will, I will give yeah, you that. Yeah. It's it's yes, it's a cheap movie. It's very poverty row, but once you 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 stick with it. You won't care, yeah. and that's. But, but honestly, I think it's part of. It, for me, it's part of its charm. Yes, yes. Um, um, because I was watching this one part where, um, not, not to jump too far ahead in the, in, into the into the into the, the, the synopsis, or I mean, you already did the synopsis, but the, the, the explanation of the film, um, where he's f- running through the graveyards, he's having yeah, yeah, his, yeah. his like mental breakdown, and he thinks people are chasing him, or maybe they are. I don't know, yeah, or ghosts, or, or yeah, ghosts. Yeah. But but you see like the like the. The, the the silhouetted um, hands and the and the people coming after yeah, them yeah. in the in the death march or the <laughs> was it the day of the dead death march yeah I thought while it it, it looks a little corny I was like I still really dug that I, I know mean, I, yeah it was, it was very it was a very cool it, effect. it feels like you're watching a stage play being photographed yeah. uh, and, and presented as yeah. a movie so I mean it's so I mean yes it's it's a cheap film but it you know the fact that it, and, and and it needs to be said though too like I said this was I believe the first horror film made in Brazil at that time. So and yeah, it, it was, was a, yeah. and it was a big hit. Yeah. So I mean it, it definitely shows you that, you know, despite its problems, you know, the audience certainly bought it. And yeah. the fact that it has a cult reputation shows that a lot of people have bought it too. So Well Jose has a very distinct presence on screen. Oh yeah. And I think other than him, his his character Coffin Joe, I, I really like the, the the gypsy witch as her portrayal. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she wasn't in it she was in it at the beginning and she was in it towards the middle and end. Yeah. But her few minutes, she was what like my favorite character. Yeah, her next evil to him. cackling laughter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, truthfully though, was she really that evil? Or was I don't it, think she was because I just think she was just a little nutty. Yeah, yeah, but I don't yeah. think evil. <laughs> but she tried warning him too. Yeah. Well, we should. Well, so, she tried war- r- r- warning Antonio and uh, yeah, what, what's this? What's her nuts? Uh, Terzania, the, yeah. the, the girl too. Yeah, that 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 their life will probably come to an end. So, yeah. well, we should probably start out. So, yeah. w- again, what I love about it too is how it opens. It's basically the coffin Joe literally addressing the audience. You know his beliefs. He's talking about you know the continuity of blood, the idea of 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 uh, Bringing about a perfect human being. Yeah, it's not all nasty. Yes, yes, yeah. It sounds a little. You know, it sounds a little Adolf Hitler. Yeah, it sounds a little Third Reich, you know, Reich kind of stuff. But uh, but then that's how the movie begins. And then what we get is you know 
it freeze frames on him and it, you know introduces you know you know Jose Mujica Marans and his coffin Joe and then we see all this you know the uh, credits for the um, the remaining stars or the main characters and what's great about this opening is that it's so grim because we're basically watching their death sequences <laughs> yeah and, and, and with this weird soundtrack of like moaning and screaming and like an echoey sound of something hitting something and it's reverberating Mm -hmm. it's a very very weird sequence and then of course we get the title sequence and then we're introduced to the gypsy woman who basically like i said dares us Mm -hmm. you know you know do not watch this movie (laughs) it's it's gonna terrify you but then too late the the clock starts strikes midnight Yeah, and you mentioned when you lent this to me, she's like, it's very has a very Tales of the Crypt vibe, and I totally got that after yeah, that. Yeah, you it's know? very weird, but but I love how she holds up that paper mache skull right at the yeah. camera, too. <laughs> and then she's like, yes, yes. Like, and I'll then, get you, my pretties. Right, right. And then, of course, it, the directing credit for Jose Mujica Marins p- pops up almost as if, you know, again, part of the terror right there. Right. And so, so, and now I love it, too, because it opens in this small town. Mm-hmm. And we see Coffin Joe, uh, you know, who is basically the, the funeral director. He, at you know, a funeral. Yeah, at a funeral, yeah. And he's dressed up in his top hat, black cape, black black wardrobe with his long fingernails. And I think he has a cane too, right? No, not at one not, point. Not, not, no, not oh. at that point. But but he shows up and, of course, he gives Very his – Very P-I-M-P. Condo- yeah, yeah. But he, he shows up and gives his condolences and everything. And then he goes back into his, 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 uh, his house. And his house is very odd because if you noticed mm-hmm. his – his, 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 it's like a walk-up almost. Yeah, no, but also well, that too. But also whenever he has to like hang like a towel or put his coat on something, uh, it's not coat racks. It's basically uh, mannequin hands on the walls and you know, stuff. I've seen it twice. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, it's it weird. was so weird. It's <laughs> like – and – so then we're inter- so and he, of course he's he's already insulting his customers and he basically just prepared the funeral. Uh, for apparently him. he's the only business in town, so he gets like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we can tell at this point this guy does not like anybody in this town, and nobody in the town likes him. And he loves talking about how he just hates God and everything. Yeah. And again, talk about blasphemous content. No yeah. wonder why this movie got in trouble from the local yeah, censors. Get, but because it, he believes, uh, you know, he's doesn't believe doesn't believe in hell, doesn't believe in heaven. He just very. Very weird in his beliefs. Yeah. He he believes in himself and yeah. he believes in blood. Right. He believes in himself and he believes that he is perfect and everybody else is flawed. And it, 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 wow, and it really has a narcissistic I, a narcissistic complex. Oh no, kidding! But then I love it too. And she she brings him food and it's not doesn't have meat in it. And he gets pissy because oh yeah because it's Holy Friday. <laughs> and, and he slams a plate down. And he goes, I don't care what meat. I don't care if I have to eat human flesh. I am eating meat today. I know. And I love how he I'm said like, it too. Well, fuck off, dickweed. <laughs> and then. He goes out and he buys like a, a leg of lamb and there's a great shot where he's eating it. And you see the um, the Holy Friday p- procession occurring outside his window yeah. where where the priest is going to each house blessing them. Right. And, and he's just laughing and like he's just laughing. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my eating God. His, like shaking his leg of lamb and like yeah, yeah. And just, just being just, – Just being a dick. And, and yet there's something about watching him be this way. And it gets way. oh so much worse. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But there's something about him watching him be this way mm-hmm. that – that how def- how horribly defiant he is it's it's so it's just yeah. so bizarre so so then he decides to go to uh, he decides to go to the bar and get a drink and nobody likes him there either oh, of course <laughs> nobody likes him there and you know what what's even weird about this is that if you think about it you know he's 
he's he's intimidating, but he's not that intimidating. So yeah. and, and, and I'm stand and you think to yourself, I mean, it's like is, he's a big burly dude. He's I know, like kind of long, long yeah, and lanky. You yeah, know? yeah. And it's like, why isn't the townspeople going against this guy? I mean, but they're really afraid of him. They they really fear this guy. So so at one point in in when he's at the bar, if you remember, he goes and he plays. Um, he plays poker with these guys, and they all he kind of inserts himself, though. Yeah, 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 and he, and he wins, and the guy doesn't want to give up the money. So what does he do? He breaks a wine bottle and cuts off the guy's fingers. Oh my! Which was uh, <laughs> given the, the the budget and the time frame. It's still it's a very effective shot. Oh, it's so, so the guy, startling. Yeah, and and then and then Joe is like, you know, um, you know, see what I did there. You know, I respect you. But and then he grabs the money anyway. He goes, "Now I'm going to go pay for the doctor for your medical bills." I know. I'm like, that's the least of your. I mean, my well, God. doing it to keep the whole thing quiet, yeah. though. Even though everybody, and, and knows, then, he goes, uh, then he turns over to everybody. And goes, "You saw it, right? You yeah, saw it." Yeah. You know. <laughs> but you, I love giving my money. But I love the part where the guy when he gets his finger, he's just you know he, he yells, he screams, and everything. But then he holds up his hand that looks like his fingers are completely missing, and right. he's just going my and, hand. And, and, then, and then Joe picks up his fingers and then tosses it uh, oh, on, the, on the floor. Oh I'm like, my God! He's like, call a doctor. <laughs> It's, uh, this is, I'll pick up the, the tab. I'm yeah, like, he does. He says, I'll, I'll take care of his expenses. Yeah, I'm like, oh, jeez. <laughs> well, that's, that's very kind of you, dude, <laughs> after you just cut so, him off. <laughs> so so then um, the, some of the bar patrons actually stand up to him. Yeah, one of them does. And then he just kind of like uh, – he boots him in the chest. He gives, he whips him with like a belt or something. Yeah, yeah. So what happens is the guy says to him – you know, he calls him the envoy of Satan and pushes Coffin Joe to the ground. And, and, and we get this great shot where – we get a close-up of his eyes and then all of a sudden, you know, through, through the magic of dissolve shots, he all of a sudden has like these contacts and where it looks like his veins are coming yeah. through. Now, what is it? Does he have like, glaucoma or is it supernatural glaucoma or like some a blo- busted blood I vessel? I think it's just him getting really pissed off So because I mean, then he goes – he starts – he gets the upper hand against this big burly dude and he grabs the guy's whip and just starts beating him senselessly. Right. And, and he gets like on top of the bar and jumps yeah. on his chest. I'm like, I'm like this is like Roadhouse times 10. I and know. Like, <laughs> and it's so – and again, using these whipping sound effects that you're just echoing and everything. And there's a really – one shot I like in that scene is with the bartender, this old guy where – it's totally overacting, but you do kind of buy it where he's – the old guy is so scared that his hands are up over his mouth and he's quivering and everything. We get, we get a shot of him being terrified because yeah. nobody wants to stop this. Well, the, but it does kind of work because you do feel bad like, like you know, this whole thing is going on, you know. so Well, there, there is some overacting towards the end of the film, oh, which of we'll course. get into yeah, with, yeah, with yeah, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Jose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, – well, and the overacting pays off actually. So. Well, yeah. But, but – um, so then his friend Antonio quickly rushes in and stops him from whipping this poor guy. So he has like one friend in the entire village. I know. And you know, why would this guy want to be this be, be, be Coffin Joe's friend? Because and so he gets him out and then, you know, you find that Coffin Joe's got the hots for – For, uh, for, for, for his, Antonio's yeah, girl, yeah, Trezenia. Yeah, yeah. His, his beloved that's supposed to be – they're going to be engaged soon Right, or right, right. But of course – He's, but of course, poor Joe is stuck with uh, his female assistant, Lonitia, who, who, who loves him to pieces. But he doesn't want anything to do with her because she can't have a baby. Yes, and she won't give him a son. So he's, and then he makes some sort of like weird, like barbaric, like thing, like women who can't have children don't deserve any kind of like, affection or any kind of be, anything being taken care of. I'm like, fuck this guy. This I guy know. is like slowly going from like interesting to. A dickweed to an asshole to a, then he becomes a fucking to, asshole to, to, ev- to everything involved. You know, don't don't just don't don't forget misogyny yeah. thrown on oh top of God. it and, I mean, and, and misanthropy as well. So, but um, and and don't forget, folks. This is this is the main character of the whole yeah. movie. So, like. so 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 Joe decides to um, uh, 
put Lenicia through a test in which he places a poisonous tarantula on her chest to see if she will um, resist its uh, poisonous venom. Well, surprise, surprise, she doesn't, and, and it bites yeah, her, and she that's dies. That's like saying, "Hey, I'm going to shoot you in the head, and yeah. if you if you're away, if you live, then uh, you're mine." Oh yeah. So then, after that, of course, you know he he buries her and everything. Oh, yeah, he, but he calls a good doctor. He, oh, yeah, he calls the doctor. The doctor says, oh, yeah, well, she got bitten by a poisonous spider. And then he, then he turns, to the, turns to the doctor and then he's acting all, you yeah, know, like – Yeah, all remorseful. Like, well, you know, I'm sure it was very painful and I'm going to miss her. Blah. I'm like, fuck you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, <laughs> you can tell. He, you can tell. Maybe you can strap her down and put like a deadly tarantula on her face. Yeah. <laughs> but – so then after that, he's still pining for um, – Teresa for, for Terzinia, Terzinia yeah. Yeah. and um, so then he of course decides to uh, to basically kill his best friend Antonio. <laughs> Which it, it, this is after they go see the the, the psychic or the gypsy. Yeah, no, they go see the gypsy woman yeah. where they where, where Terzinia and Antonio want to get their fortune told. Right, and, and of course the gypsy tells them straight up that you know they there's you know the, their fortunes are are, are pretty much. Tainted at this point, right? Basically, saying that she foresees death for both of them, and since it's a bad fortune, that she can't, in good conscience, take any kind of payment. Yes, uh, and she's basically warning them just to be careful. Um, in the me- yeah, yeah, and, and in the meantime, Joe Coffin Joe is with them, pretty much just says, "Fuck this, this whole you know, you're, you know, yeah, you know yeah. what you're talking about." Oh yeah, yeah. and of course she warns him, yeah. like, "No, death tomorrow. is coming. Yeah, death is coming for you. Your soul's going to be mine." Yeah, 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 and of course. So then, of course, uh, Antonio, um, Coffin Joe, and Antonio go to Antonio's house to have a drink, and you know Antonio just tells them. They're supposed to go fishing the next day, or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. And 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 they're just talking, and Antonio just tells them, you know, straight up, you know, I, you know, I believe in God. I, I, I want to just have a, a normal life. I want to live happily with Terzini and everything. We're gonna fix up this house. Yeah, and yeah. Have a family live here. And then, of course, while he's telling about, all of a sudden, Joe grabs a fire poker and just whacks Antonio on the head. Then drags his body over to a bathtub, hits the back of his head in the tub to make it look as if he slipped, slipped and fell, fell yeah. and then drowns the poor guy. Yeah. And, it, uh, oh, my uh, God. And, and, it, and I got to say, it, it, it was a pretty br- right. brutal for its time scene. Right. And then Joe goes to the police detective. I, well, I no. At, at, at first, Terzinia finds oh, yeah, Antonio yeah. dead in the bathtub. And she blames him for some reason because mm-hmm. it was the last person she was. He was the last person to be seen with. Right. So he's but, talking to the detective or the commander or whatever yeah. it is, and uh, the local military yeah, police, right? Or the military, yeah. yeah. And then there's like, okay, we'll bring the doctor in and do an autopsy on him, uh, and then he, and then Terzinia is, is vehemently believes that. Joe is guilty of killing yeah. Antonio. But in the meantime, the, the police, you know, for some odd reason, just can't seem to connect the dots and find out. They couldn't find their ass with both hands <laughs> anyway, and a flashlight. They they could not they could not understand, you know, who the guilty party is in this movie because Coffin Joe just keeps getting away with these murders. So he um but uh so then of course now that uh, Antonio's out of the way, mm-hmm. he decides to try to go get Terzinia, and at one point he goes to the bar. And, <laughs> and, well, well, it's so funny. <laughs> he buys a bird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, basically, like the, a little the, parakeet. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like a little little yellow bird. Yeah. That, um, well, we think it's yellow bird. This is in black and white, yeah. but 
it's probably what it was. So the bar owner, I guess, the bar owner bought the bird for himself. Yeah, but he didn't want to sell it. Yeah, he didn't want to sell it. But then Coffin Joe gives him quite a bit of money, and the guy goes, oh, okay, well, I'll let you have it then. So Joe takes the bird to Terzini as a little bit of a peace offering present and, you know, that kind of thing. Still being a dick, though. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, she ain't buying it. So, of course – he decides to basically start slapping her around in probably one of the most brutal sequences yeah, in this whole I'm movie. Like, uh, I'm like, okay, after that, I can't like, you, 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 you there's no like good humanity. in Oh you yeah, at all. there's no humanity in this guy whatsoever. Now again, folks, remember this guy is the main character. Yeah, you know? I mean, you're, you're, it's, yeah. but okay, the problem. <laughs> but I gotta say though, you know what? As much as there's no good humanity in him. The other characters in this movie, and, and they're not the most drawn-out characters. Right. I mean, they're they're pretty obvious what they are. They're but, fodder. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they are completely ignorant of understanding just how dangerous this guy is, it just – they pretty much just allow themselves to be dragged into their de- – it's like what I said about Antonio. Why is he friends with this guy? Yeah. There, there's, obviously, he doesn't like you. He doesn't believe yeah. – you guys don't believe in the same things. If well, you, I mean, you don't – I mean, you don't have to believe in the same things, but it's just right. like – but the fact that that Joe doesn't respect anybody, right. you, you know, even though he doesn't seem to like brush off Antonio in, in any sense, he doesn't re- seem to respect the fact that, uh, you know, Terzini and Antonio are an item, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like – and doesn't seem to respect the fact that Antonio is just trying to just live his life, mm-hmm. whereas Joe decides to just kill him. <laughs> right. I mean, there's no, there's no remorse. There's no. Um, there's no pity. There's no nothing. Yeah. But so he he slaps her on a lot, and that's that was pretty much the brutal, the most brutalist scene in this film. Yeah, yeah. And then he rapes her. They they don't show it. I mean, they, they, it's, but it's, it's heavily implied. It's heavily because, implied, and yes. because he's, and he's like, you're going to give me a, you know, I'm going to put a baby in you, basically. Yeah, yeah. Because he wants the perfect child, right. you know, the the. the <laughs> um, and so anyway, he, so he gives her the bird, and she's holding his hand, and she kills it while he's attacking her. Yeah. So again, the bird dies. <laughs> well, and again, I <laughs> you think... killed my bird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think what they, he was doing with that, directorially speaking, is the idea of. of um, how this little bird is, you know, representative of, 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 I guess you can say, of life. Yeah, and, and how snuffed now, it out. Yeah, and basically has been snuffed out due to Joe's violence right. because she was holding it. Right. And it's because of the violence that he's placed, placed on her that's caused her to, to basically kill it with her hand. Right. You know, and that's it, what I got from right. it. I oh, mean, yeah, I'm trying no, to translate no, from Yeah, this. no, that, <laughs> that's, that makes perfect sense. And um, then you see her on the couch as, as, as Joe is like <laughs> – one and done, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, one pump chump. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he, and then she's like saying, like, I'm going to kill myself. You're not going to have this baby. You, you're, you are going to be cursed. Your soul's going to be cursed. You're going, you're going to go to hell. And and he's just kind of laughs off, like, whatever, bitch. I got mine. Yeah, and I love how he walks outside, and he, and of course, I believe he's encountered by the gypsy woman again. And then the, there's the, a he runs across this like, uh, yeah, like it, funeral like it's a um, I forget what it's called, but it, it's basically not an altar, but like no, a, but it's it's a very um, he finds this. Um, Pay respects to the dead. Yeah, I guess. yeah. Pay, it's like a pay respects to the dead thing where it's basically two bottles of of, of, of wine, well, of wine or beer or whatever that was placed by this area f- for some poor soul or with, whatever. With flowers and knickknacks. Yeah, and, yeah, and a lit candles. Right. And of course, Joe decides to pick up the two bottles, take it for himself, trample over and then the laugh rest of it, and, you know. And then, of course, go by a cemetery and start drinking, mm-hmm. and then. You know, and, and and a nice speech he gives about how he wants to see the dead come up and get him, 
yeah. you know, because of his defiance towards God, and he takes the bottles and just throws them against the tombstones Stone. and everything. Yeah. And then, of course, he encounters a gypsy woman who tells him that his once again that he needs to straighten his act up, otherwise, you know, yeah. uh, he's he, his life is not going to be here for long. Right. But of and, course, and then he responds like, "I'll fit you for a coffin." And I'm like, "Yeah, oh fuck, <laughs> bitch, you better get back inside." And so then, of course, <laughs> she laughs maniacally, and you get this. I mean, it's very simple, but really gets you jolt, jump cut, where you see some poor young girl scream in terror right. as she yes. sees, as she finds uh, Trezinia has hung herself. Yeah. And, and oh, my God. I, I, again, talk about the movie just gets grim and grim and grim and grim <laughs> as it progresses. And, and then once you think it can't get any darker, it gets midnight. So Oh, yeah. Well, so now, of course, Joe seems somewhat despondent because he can't believe in the sense that she would have done herself in. But then again, she did say she, she did was say going to. She going to kill herself and, uh, you know, your soul is next. <laughs> so her body is placed in the crypt next to Antonio because, you know, they said that they were going to be married and I guess they'd be better yeah. together. Mm-hmm. So now time passes and now it's the Day of the Dead and everybody at the bar wants to basically leave because they're all superstitious. But Joe shows up and basically says, stay and I'll buy you all some drinks. And there's a great shot where, you know, when he's trying to go down the stairs, one of the guys seems like very reluctant. And if you look, very, he just gives him an evil push to right. sort of get him going. <laughs> oh. This guy will not stop being yeah. evil. It's yeah. like just, no good comes if, from him. <laughs> honestly, if the town hates you that much – Move. I know. <laughs> or again, why don't they evict his ass? Yeah. But they're so afraid of him. I mean, you know. But anyway, so then there's one point in this movie where he decides to just give some extra money to the, the female um, bartender. Uh, bartender. Yeah. And, uh, and and her uncle shows up to yeah, pick her up. Right. And he finds out that, you know, like he Joe gave her money and he, and he said, no, I'm not going not gonna to accept it. So Joe, once again, being a man with very little patience. Uh, so you pick up that money. <laughs> yeah, you pick up that money. But then the guy refuses to do so. And of course, you know, and, and again, you think this would be the turning point of the movie. He says the, the uncle basically starts telling everybody we – we can't stand this anymore. We should put an end to this guy. Right. And I love there's a shot where like a couple of these guys look like they're ready to fight and one of them is rolling up their sleeves right. ready to start okay, throw the so first punch. You're in a bar, a bunch of men in a bar drinking. Yeah. Testosterone's flaring. Uh, yet no, sh- if this was a Western, they'd be thrown through a window by now at I least know, two yeah, or three yeah, times. Yeah. I mean, like this, this, this would have, there, there should have been a major ass beating right there. I, I mean, But Joe, Coffin Joe being a very creative um, fighter, uh, he's there's a there's a little statue of Jesus Christ with the with the crown of thorns on him, on it. He takes it and quickly turns around and shoves the crown of thorns up against the uncle's face. Right. Pretty much terrifying everybody else. All of a sudden, that dude who is rolling up his sleeves looks like he's ready to, yeah, to cower in terror. Yeah, so I'm gonna just put my jacket yep, on. Pretty <laughs> much so. roll down my sleeves. <laughs> And and the uncle falls to the floor and he basically forces the poor guy to pick up the money. Right. And, of course, once he's done so, well, everything's back to normal. You know, everything's like, oh, we're back to the usual shit where yeah. he's basically then you terrorizing the, this town. Yeah, then you got these four or five guys sitting around the bar thinking, man, we got to get rid of this guy. We got to yeah, get rid of yeah, this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, of course, it's a simple yeah. answer. We'll just go ahead and beat his ass. I mean, there's five of you. <laughs> it's a numbers game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I mean, I, that's what I kind of like about it is you, you do sit there and question, why aren't these guys really doing something? But then you do realize, well, because of 
of Coffin Joe's defiance towards everything that's good, everything that's holy, everything that because he defies God, he doesn't believe there's a, there's there's a a hell. Mm-hmm. These guys, really, I guess, at this point, we do feel at this point, you know, these guys really truly believe this dude has to be the devil in some way, right. shape, or form. Oh, yeah, yeah, or a demon of some or, sort. Yeah, or some kind of horrible demon. Of, right. But anyways, so now. You know, like I said, you thought that would be the turning point of the whole movie. It's it's really not. And, and that's actually a very good surprise because, like I said, we're sitting there going, okay, now it's the big turning point. Well, nope. These guys, of course, cower in terror again. And, and of course, Joe has his reign over the whole town. And then this woman shows up who is meeting her family who gets lost. And she needs to find her way to the house. But nobody wants to take her. Because it's the, they don't want to go after midnight. It's the, yeah, the day it's of the, the day dead. dead. The, you know, basically all the souls of the dead are wandering around. Nobody wants to go. So, of course, Joe offers to take her. <laughs> and why do you think that is, Tim? <laughs> because he wants to slip her yep. slip slip the little Joe. Yeah, yeah. Or as I think I've used this before on a previous episode, but to quote the line from American Dad that Roger said to young Steve, where he said, it's because you want to get your schlinker into the girl's schlunker if you catch my drift. So Yeah, he, he wanted to procreate. He yeah, wanted yeah. to, you know. Because now he sees this woman as the next next step because as they're walking to their house – she, she isn't frightened. He, yeah, she's not frightened of anything. She's she's not a religious person. She doesn't believe in God too much. She's not a horrible misogynistic misanthrope like Joe is. Yeah. But 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 Joe Coffin Joe seems to feel okay. Yeah, this he, woman could be the next step. You right. know, you know, Terzinia failed. My my female assistant that I poisoned with the spider failed. Uh, maybe this one could be up next. But three strikes, at, you're out. Yes, but, <laughs> but as it turns out, and this is where the real turning point of the movie happens, uh, is where, in as much as Joe seems to be devoid of any uh, conscience of some sort, it starts to get the better of him because he starts walking alone late at night. He begins to feel that maybe he's being watched, isn't it? Yeah. Right, Tim. Yes, you know, yes. By, by by the by the spirits, by the the dead, by. Yeah. Um, Everybody who was war- by Trezenia and by the, the the gypsy witch that warned him. Yeah, because he starts hearing her saying things again, yeah, like so how he, you need to watch so out. So now we, we the viewer gets a chance to see is he is this really happening or is he hallucinating? Is this happening for real or it's all in his mind? Which is is a very common theme throughout this entire film franchise. Right, right. Because is it, he schizophrenic? <laughs> is he? <laughs> well, and again, it, it, it's it's because he's spent pretty much most of this whole movie defying everything that now that this is his chance to see it being tested. Right. So, you know, he's walking along, he begins hearing like sounds of like owls and and hearing rustling sounds too. And at one point he's got a little small pistol with him. So he starts firing in like all directions thinking that something's coming. That always makes a difference. Oh yes, it does. In a a horror movie. And of course he begins to trip and fall. And then at one point, and I gotta say, this was probably the most creative special effects shot in the whole movie where, one, at one point, he wants to light up his pipe, and he doesn't have a lighter or, or a match. Oh, and, then the and then the hand comes over, and it's got it looks like it's lit with glitter, right. which is what it was. Because in one of the interviews, uh, Jose Mojica Marin said that to do the special effect, they, they actually put on the thirty-five millimeter uh, print or the negative. He said they put some glue on it and sparkled glitter on it to have it get this nice weird effect. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, it's very cheap and yeah. very like almost home movie ish. But it, but it, hey, it worked. It worked. Yeah, but I love the shot because yeah. he's trying to find the lighter, and all of a sudden the ghostly hand comes over and it, it offers him a light. One and, light. Yeah, and Joe all of a sudden screams in terror. Like a little girl he is. <laughs> oh yeah. So now he's running around trying to escape, and he starts seeing 
like the ghost of Trezenia that's been where she hung herself right. and she's and laughing Anto- maniacally. Right. And, and Antonio. Yeah, and then he sees himself being carried in a coffin. Mm-hmm. So, so, if, so, of course. So he makes his way through the graveyards or through the streets and yes, whatever it is. Yes. He makes it back to his, I guess, his own like, well, business. Well, no, no. He, no, he, he, ma- he only makes it as far as the cemetery because he's. Oh, the, okay, the cemetery. I'm sorry. Okay. Because, you know, now he's like pretty much being chased there. Right. But the coffins are there of. Of, of, uh, of, Van, uh, of, of Antonio and Terzini. Yeah. And he opens the coffins and they're like decaying. They got bugs and worms I know. It was them. so weird looking because at one point, you, you know, you can tell that they, they've. Been, they've been embalmed, but one of them still has the cotton up against their nose right. and everything, and they've got spiders crawling on them and everything. And he, and he opens the coffins up because he wants, because he's saw, he's seen their ghosts, so he wants to see if their their bodies are their still. their bodies are not in there because he thinks that you know maybe they're not there, or whatever. So he opens them up, and I love how he does it. He just takes his hand and like just bangs the locks off of them. And then opens them up, and he finds their rotting bodies, and he screams in terror. <sighs> yeah. and, they, and, and so, and the townspeople are chasing after him, or they, no, the townspeople find him. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, they're because, like they because they heard a they heard a terrifying right. scream, and then they find him like bent over like this like half wall, I guess. In yeah, the cemetery. laying upside down, laying upside down, and his I believe his like right eye is like. Well, both bulging, of his eyes are bulging, bulging out. Bulging out. And, um, you know, apparently at this point we think maybe he's had a stroke or – anyway, he's dead. Yeah, yeah. He's had a shock. Yeah. So basically after all this time, the townsfolk who apparently did not have the balls to stand up to this guy that Very much. passive aggressive yeah, in, oh, this, in, this, in this outing. It, it basically took a uh, – it basically took the Day of the Dead to scare this guy to death to, right. and, and get Joe out of this town. <laughs> but I have to say it's actually a very, very nicely done moment in movie where he's you know basically is his he's you know like i said he's his test of wills has been put up you know to see if he he's really as as brave and as as defiant as he claims he is and as we find out no he's not he's basically been reduced down to his bare essentials yeah he uh yeah so man and then, and then it goes to black and it's just, they yeah. said uh, Joe, Joe is dead, or well, something. no, it, they say Joe's dead, but then we get this nice shot of like the church bells, you right. know, going right. off. Hooray! And, the witch is yeah, dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, like I said, it's the the plot line for this movie really isn't that deep, but it's a very, very uh, grim and very yes. gruesome for its time story yes. about this single guy who just wreaked havoc on a small town. Yeah, and it, it's it's very unusual, and I, I can kind of see why this movie was... I mean, you can kind of see why this movie was successful for Brazilian audiences because for the time because it was a new thing. No one had made a horror film like this. And it is unique because it's not a typical horror film of the, of the time. No. It's not It's not a Dracula movie. It's no. not a... It's obviously not a slasher film, but it's 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 a very... You'd almost be wondering at first why it would be a horror film because mm-hmm. it's not... A, there is a supernatural element to it, but it doesn't pop up until the later half of the movie. But it's not a – I would say it's not what you would expect it to be on first run. You know? right. and, but, I mean, that's what I do like about the movie because it's yeah. so unexpected. It's, it's, like I said, it's a very uh, unique and interesting film and I, I enjoyed it. So, I mean, it does get a thumbs up from me. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, I mean, I mean and like I said, despite – its budget problems. Right. It's, it only adds to its charm. Yeah, like I said, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, like I, I didn't have a problem with it being uh, a low budget. There's some movies that you could that bothers me being a low budget just because it's just, but it's because the overall story and acting well, is just poop. Well, and you know? also it, it's because this movie you do get the feeling that they he they really tried. Right. They oh, tried yeah. for everything. I mean, I don't want. I, 
I know we pick on this movie quite a bit, but oh, if you're going to go with Thanks Killing again, I'm going to. I know, yeah. It, it's, but, <laughs> poke my own eyes out. Well, I, it, it's it's just that. Right, I, I know what you're saying. It's just that that movie. I mean, and like I said, I, I've given the filmmakers enough credit for the fact that they made it for like three grand, but just the effort behind making it for the three grand isn't you there. Have, you could have put the effort in into it. In, in, well, you could have put an effort into really trying, right. is what I'm saying. So, whereas this movie was made for, like, you know, very little amount of money, and even though it's cheap, you do feel like they really tried on this one. Yeah, I mean, they, they tried to give a high-quality product at, like, a, a fraction of the cost. Yeah, <laughs> a fraction of the cost, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, no, I mean, I can't say anything bad about it. I mean, I didn't like the character, but you're not supposed to like the character. Yeah, yeah, if you yeah. do like the character... Well, you don't like him... But there's something about watching, and I forget what it's called. But it's 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 a. I forget the term for it, but it's basically where you're watching somebody doing horrible things, and you're kind of getting an enjoyment out of it. Not saying that we. Enjoy, sadom, not saying that. No, no, no. Um, no. They're just watching someone commit destruction on someone else, basically, and it's you know we don't we don't like his character. No, but. There's something because he's the main character. There's something about watching him do these awful things, you know. Like we could just easily get up and walk out of the theater, right. or, or, or basically stop, or in our case, just turn the DVD player off and right. say we can't. But there's something about it that we still yeah. we watch, yeah. you know. It's, well, it, you know, his character reminded me, and it's pre- and it, it's pretty interesting. Um, you, you were saying you were talking about at the beginning, um, where. Uh, the director Jose, uh, Jose Maris, yeah, yeah uh, had a dream or a nightmare yeah. uh, about this, and that's how he came up with the coffin Joe, mm-hmm. basically the or the outline. But it, it, but I also remember reading in um, Wes Craven's biography about how he came up with what would become Freddy Krueger, mm. and he woke he had a dream and he had a dream journal and he'd write down things and it was oh, yeah, and okay. there was a, and he, yeah, he, right. he was part of that and he was part of like this this guy that he would see under a street lamp every night and just wearing like this like long trench coat and just yeah. being very creepy. When he was a kid, so he, all that stuff like swirling around his brain, and he p- produced Freddy Krueger. So right. it's very two very iconic characters based kind of off the kind of the same somebody's dreams, the creator's dreams. So, right. well, and also too, you know, what what makes the movie unique f- for me too is that I mean, I'm a guy that kind of loves reading about these behind the scenes stories about mm-hmm. how they came about, and you have to think about it. Here's a guy who came up with this idea to make a horror movie in a country where there were, weren't making any horror movies and pretty much in love, very passionate about his idea to the extent that he wasn't getting financing from anybody because nobody wanted to risk it and he basically had to ask his parents to sell their house and their car to finance this endeavor and it was and I mean that just and the fact that the movie was successful shows that uh, you know you know who knew? Who knew that the audience? You know, because you could because this movie. Imagine if the audience didn't want to see a horror movie. This movie could have failed. Yeah, right. <laughs> but but it turned out no. It actually was a success for him, and it helped propel his career. So I mean, I think that's the one thing about the movie too. That's that's also very interesting is that this movie was like a career turning point. For yeah. Him. yeah. So I mean, he put he put all his eggs in one basket, which you're not supposed to do. Yep. And it paid off though. <laughs> um. So um, I don't think we have too much else to say about nope. the movie. I mean, um, I'm I, sure you've got some fun facts. I've got just them. a few. I mean, a few of them we've already touched upon, so um, I'm not going to go over them. Um, this is what I found really interesting. Um, the crew refused to shoot a scene because there wasn't enough sunlight. The director forced 
them to shoot the scene by pointing a gun at the cameraman. <laughs> Various crew members have confirmed the story on one rare occasion when, when he would respond to the question about the incident. Marin's claimed the gun was only a prop. <laughs> yeah, I, that's a very weird story. I mean, I, I think the story behind that was that they didn't want to shoot it because they were at a graveyard. I mean, I'm trying to remember. The, yeah. I know I read about that. but And they just were getting very frightened about the whole thing. And they and, you know, Marin's had to pull out a prop gun to scare them to get them to shoot the scene. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sounds kind of odd, though. Yeah. But, you know, honestly, watching another interview with him, I remember him saying that he actually liked to work with uh, amateur actors instead of professional actors because they let him do stuff to them that <laughs> professional actors wouldn't, like yeah, yeah. twisting fingernails or twisting arms and, you know, to get the performance they want. I'm like, that's a, that's crazy. That's It's crazy, but I can understand why he wants to do that I mean, because he That's wants, like method acting to a whole new level. Yeah, yeah. I understand why he wants to do that, though, because he wants to get, like, um, the the best reaction he can. Right. Uh, well, you know, Clint Eastwood occasionally likes working with non-professionals, too. I, I thought – I'm trying to remember, but I think in Gran Torino, half that cast, mm. with the exception of a few others. It's been a while. I've, I've, I, I know yeah, I watched yeah. the movie, but I haven't seen it in a few yeah, years. I, I know. I thought I heard him say that he, he, he cast some non-professionals in that yeah. film. But, but – um, yeah, I, I watched that interview too. I thought that was very interesting yeah. how he goes through that. And I was thinking to myself, wow, way to go to such extremes. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, oh, the movie became such a hit in Brazil that one theater in downtown of San Paulo played it for four months straight. <laughs> back, piggybacking what you said before. Um, oh, some of the crew members were arrested when they were discovered chopping down trees in a park in downtown. The trees were being used as part of the set on the sound stage. So. Uh, I guess they had to use some bail money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Oh, with the exception of two exterior scenes, the entire movie was shot inside a 600-square-foot studio in St. Paulo. Or uh, San Paulo. I should say not St. Paulo. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, the director, uh, Jose Mohican Marins. Burns, yeah. yeah, I'm always having a hard time with him. Played the main role when the original actor quit. He put on his best black suit and added a top hat. And had very long thumbnails, so the makeup, uh, so the makeup man added long artificial fingernails to his nails. Yeah, although I believe after a couple of years, he just he started growing out his own fingernails, which is just disgusting. Yeah, in that interview we saw on the disc, he he yeah. still had some of those. Yeah. I don't know how you could you imagine yeah. that clickety clackety. <laughs> yeah, how do you type on a t- keyboard? Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that's all I've got for fun facts. For, yeah, for this I mean, film. it's it's it is an interesting little movie, and, and 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 like I said, it does have a very odd tales from the crypt kind of vibe going yeah. through it. It's it's like you know, well, a very low rent tales from the crypt, but still, <laughs> but still, it delivers on every on what it's trying to and what it's what it's all about. So, um, I enjoy the movie. You know. I think it's obvious I'm giving it a thumbs up. Yep. So, I so two, thum- two, two thumbs up. I, I think we could put a nail in the coffin, Joe. Yeah. Well, not quite because, no. oh. <gasps> yes, despite the success of At Midnight, I'll Take Your Soul, before the film's release, Jose Mojica Marins found out that his little horror effort was a little bit of a hard sell to film distributors who were very reluctant in handling a movie that specialized in an untested genre, which featured blasphemous content that would piss off the influence of the Catholic Church. So Marin's found himself in finan- found himself in financial debt, and the only way he could solve the issue was by selling the rights of At Midnight, I'll Take Your Soul to a distributor for a third of the money oh, wow. that was invested in the project. And when Marin's little horror movie became a box office hit, he had to stand back and watch the distributor rake in the dough while Marin's received very little in return. Oh, that blows. It does, it does. But 
despite the financial loss Marin's had over the film, he did have something that the distributor couldn't buy, and that was the character of Coffin Joe. Eventually, Marin's was approached by a producer to make a sequel to his first horror endeavor, and so Coffin Joe came back for the follow-up in the 1967 sequel, This Night I'll Possess Your Corpse. This time, with a slightly modest budget... Oh, God, sorry. Bless you. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, sorry, folks. Yeah, that's, Anyways, that's fun in your speakers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So, uh, <laughs> But this time with a slightly modest budget, as well as featuring a crazed 10-minute dream sequence filmed in oh. vibrant Eastman color. That was kind of cool. Yes, while the bulk of the show was filmed in standard black and white. So this night, I'll Possess Your Corpse starts right where the first film ended. Well, apparently Coffin Joe did not die of fright in the local graveyard Son of a all. bitch. <laughs> not only that, but we also find out what his real name is, Josephale Sonatus. So after being absolved of committing crimes in the previous film... Good old How the hell does I it know. even happen? <laughs> He's good, got a trail of bodies, literally. Yeah. Good old Joe returns returns and moves into yet another small town to set up a funeral home with the help of a deformed hunchback named Bruno. You would think that Joe would, you know, just stick to living a regular life as a coffin maker, but no. Like in the first film, Coffin Joe is looking to sire the perfect son. Therefore, he abducts some women from the local town and proceeds to test them of their wills. Eventually, only one woman survives the test, Marcia. Uh, Coffin Joe lets Marcia go, and she doesn't report the incident to the police. Then, when the local mayor's young daughter, Laura, shows up, Coffin Joe has his sights on her as well. But the mayor, his son Claudio, his henchman Trucador, and the local town folk intend to put a stop to Joe's plans. So, yes. Wow. So I gotta say, as batshit crazy as the first film in first film is, the second film is just as crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, this film to me felt more adventuristic and balls crazy, if that makes sense. I mean, uh, yes. And you know, I, I said this off air or before the recording. One g- could get the distinct feeling that old Joe was watching a lot of old Universal monster movies, in particular <laughs> Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, it, it had that old Hollywood atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. Well, since he's talking about siring the perfect son, you do get the feeling that there's a Frankenstein element around here. Yeah. You know, as Doctor Frankenstein wanted to create the perfect human right. being. I will say this: what I really liked at the beginning was when okay, they, they had him go through the the the, uh, the tests with the doctors and with the with the. Yeah. With the yeah, court, yeah. which, uh, oh, his vision is restored. We didn't think he'd be able to see again. Yeah, yeah. And like convenient. <laughs> um, and then, he, then, then, then he gets all, Then he gets you know dismissed from all charges, which again convenient. Convenient. You, you, you. His reaction. Yeah, it's like when he, at one point when he gets his eyesight restored, he starts laughing maniacally. Yeah. It's like he, you do think he's laughing in the back of his head. <laughs> convenient for me. <laughs> yeah, you got this whole like brush your shoulders off kind of like you know you can't yeah, touch yeah. it like the Teflon Don kind of thing. Yeah. Well, hey man, this is a sequel. It's got to pick up somehow. So. so, but what I really like is that he's walking. Walking through town, and it's like the old westerns. Like Every, the, yeah. the kids are playing in the street. All the par- there's people everywhere, and then all of a sudden, I know, and you see yeah, him like yeah. walking far away. Like everybody's got to get in, and shut the doors. I know. <laughs> it's like it's like a stampede of people. Everybody, everybody is like terrified of. You think like, like a bunch of bandits are going to come yeah. in this town with like firearms? Yeah. And they all hide in this town, and all of a sudden we get a shot of Joe, and you get like this weird gong sound yeah. that plays the background. And, and, and you get him, and then you get his. I'm sorry, this was a brutal ripoff, but Bruno, who I'm just going to call Igor, because it, it's exactly what. Well, he was. I mean, come on, every hunchback character is, is patterned after Igor. Right? But 
it, it was just such a blatant thing in my eyes. Well, but, rip off homage, come yeah, on, you know. Okay, T- tomato, tomato. I, I love how he's got that one hunch, hump back on him, and it looks like it's basically like a bunch of socks yeah. shoved uh, up yeah. in his back. I, I was waiting for it to switch, you know, like the old Frank, like the young Frankenstein, yeah, where, where, it where it switched from side. left to right. Well, fortunately, it didn't because the movie is not a comedy. Yeah. Well. You you might get some of the black humor in some parts, but uh, I I I but I just love how he goes to this town once he goes to this other town to set up a funeral, and everybody pretty much knows how evil this guy is from right. the get go. And and the thing is, he gets a, a I mean, this guy's been in the hospital. He's been pretty much like pretty much charged with murder, uh, and yet he still manages but, but, to get away with everything. Right, that and then he gets out, but he but he has no money. Yeah, um, I can't see it being a funeral director or funeral uh, coffin maker from the first from being a very lucrative career where he could just have piles of money. <laughs> but he's got now he's got an assistant. Now he's got this. Beautiful, or not beautiful, but this ginormous like lair with yeah. like like a bat cave that has all these underground workings and like d- torture tunnels yes, and like dungeons, dungeons and like, and, like very Frankenstein esque like like laboratories. I'm like, what the fuck? Tim, he had money in offshore oil accounts. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. yes, yes, like, yeah. Well, at this point, you know, I think the reason why it kind of gets away with it in some sense because of how crazy it is is because. At this point, we feel that it went from being, from the first film, this very dark, bleak um, um, movie to being sort of like a comic book. So more on the lighter side. On the lighter side. Well, if you want to consider what Coffee I mean, Joe has to do being I mean, a part of the lighter side. Because <laughs> well, in the first one, he was uh, raped and murdered. And hey, this one's, hey, he's got a, you know, a weird-ass uh, you know, yeah, uh, he, assistant, and now he's just like scoping out babes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, too. I love it. Once again... He, he he is still determined to sire the perfect the perfect child, and he has not yet been thwart. He just has not dropped it. So and you know, oh, I, I'm sorry, not to backtrack just just for one second. You know, is, and as much as Joe disdains the adult human race, he has a soft spot for kids. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that's because he's all about wanting to have a kid. Right. And there was, a, there was that scene where the, you see the father, like, reprimanding his young son. Yeah, in the first film. Yeah, in the first one. And he comes up to you and he, like, he threatens the father. He's like, you don't hurt your son. And then he goes, boy, you are you don't cry. Men don't cry. Yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah. Like, <laughs> Sounds oh, like drunk father uh, talk. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, crazy Uncle Joe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but, go, but go, let's go back to it. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so – after this incredibly wild opening sequence, and I love it too. I love the title sequence too because it's like the titles are have this bizarre stenciled in quality to it. Right. They're just so shaky, but the, it does work for the weird vibe it's going for. So, so once Joe sets up shop, all of a sudden he sees these kids playing outside, and this motorcyclist starts barreling down <laughs> the road, and he's about to hit these hit this one kid, and Joe quickly leaps. And knocks the kid out of the way, and of course the motorcyclist falls over. Right. And he tells the motorcyclist, "You know, you never, you know, hurt hurt a kid, you know, because right. the uh, children are the important thing of life, or whatever." <laughs> so, of course, so then Joe once again is is up to his old tricks of wanting to set up, you know, uh, sire the perfect perfect child, and he and his hunchback assistant pretty much decide to kidnap a couple of women. A couple, like four, like four. And one like prominent like uh, aristocrat like woman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, her name is uh, Marcia. So, um, so 
They, uh, they, they, so he's expanding his operations. Yes, he's <laughs> expanding his operations, of course. So he kidnaps him. And the town, of course, immediately suspects that it's Coffin Joe. But, of course, Coffin Joe, being the man of extraordinary power that he is. The Teflon Don. Yes, yes. Brush his shoulders he manages, off. <laughs> he manages to basically make it quite clear that he has had nothing to do with this. Yeah. And then, of course, through a nice – Jump cut shot. We see the women locked up in his house, <laughs> and of course, of course, he is guilty yes. of this whole thing. And that's, <laughs> and that's very less. Uh, what do you call it? Like Egyptian. Like it's a very nicely ornate uh, room. Yes, and he's basically told, like almost like a menage a trois. Well, but he's he's pretty much revealed to him that he. Uh, he is. He has them there to test their wills, basically, to see how much that they are going to be able to survive his weird tortures. His weird tortures being unleashing uh, uh, a horde of tarantulas on them. While they sleep. And while then... they sleep. And then, of course, Marcia is not afraid of them. So we can kind of tell that she's probably going to be the one that's going to survive this whole thing. And then he gives one of the girls to Bruno to have his way with. But then, of course, classic... Uh, uh, Lenny, uh, yeah. he breaks he breaks her neck. <laughs> yeah, he break, breaks her neck, and then of course Joe decides to pour acid on the poor dead girl's face, right. and of course the I love it too. Again, he <laughs> oh Lenny was a reference to Mice and Men. I know, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. just for our listeners but, out there, but, but but still classic Lenny. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then of course Joe pours acid over the the dead girl's face. Yeah. <laughs> It's fine. And I know, and, and of course, all the this. And, and, and this, and also in this laboratory because he's now he's got this big bed and these big like machine looking tubes, with machine with yeah, tubes with on it, and, and, and everything. Like, <laughs> like, when did Joe become a scientist? I know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so. you know, he has to know something about chemistry. I mean, hopefully, he he involves. <laughs> he doesn't have any with any of the women. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Rim shot. Boom. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> It was Tim, everybody. Yes, it was Tim. Yes, yes. <laughs> He'll be here all night. Yes. <laughs> so, so then he decides. So then now, of course, he decides that Marcia is the um, the one that he feels is going to basically uh, um, sort of be defend, the one. Sort of be the one, but also defend him, I guess. So while he's up up in, while they're up in his room trying to make out, he has the remaining uh, three women <laughs> placed in a in a, a pit. in a pit. Yes, <laughs> right a, by a, the bed. Right, right by the bed. He, Nothing's he, more hot than that. I know. All he does, he pulls. The, he just pulls the string, and then a pit opens up, and all of a sudden they're being attacked by snakes. By these big like by these pythons big big and, pythons and everything and everything. And one of them, while they're dying by being strangled, says that uh, you know she'll. You know, she'll haunt Coffin Joe for the rest of his life and everything. But he's like, honey, I've been there, done that. That's okay. Yeah, he's like, he was said, didn't you watch the first movie? Stand in line. <laughs> so, of course, they die. And and Coffin Joe and, and, and Hunchback Bruno yeah. throw the bodies into a, a swampy lake right behind the building. Convenient. Convenient, yes. Well, every, you, you'd think to yourself, man, every shot where he's he has that scowl on his face, he's just saying, hmm, convenient, yes. And so, Who was their real estate agent? <laughs> well, he got a good deal. Yes. He got a really good deal. Location, got, location, location, location. Yes. He got a good deal. He, uh, he realized I need a swamp where I can dump all the bodies. Yes. Yes, I have one. That's great. D- uh, does this place come with the beakers? <laughs> yes, they do. So, so now, of course, Marcia returns, and of course, the mayor of the town and, and the sheriff are like they're questioning her. They're questioning. They're relieved because she, but, said, she just said she went out of town. Yeah, she felt like taking a, a vacation. She was visiting a relative. Or of holiday, course, Coffin yeah. Joe surmises to them. So, yes, it would seem that. Uh, 
she decided to take a trip at the same time these girls decided yeah. to go missing. And and they, and they think and isn't that where they where Joe meets like like the horde of like reporters or like people where he's talking to him. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm I hey I don't know anything. Why don't yeah, you ask the detective? He, he pretty or, much uh, just tells him, I don't know. But why don't you ask the detectives about again? This? Brush your shoulders off. Yes. It's, you can't touch me. <laughs> oh God, so he should just take a brush out and just yeah, yeah, constantly yeah. brush his shoulder. Yeah, yeah. So in the meantime, though, um. The mayor's daughter, uh, Laura, shows up. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Coffin Joe has his eyes set on her now as well. <laughs> but he's got a couple of, she's got a couple of big old burly bodyguards, too. Yeah, one of them played by a guy named Trucador who, is mis- who, who has a bloodshot eye. And uh, I love the shot where <laughs> Trucador basically tells him, you know, you're going to have to get past me. And, of course, Coffin Joe... Well, gets past it. <laughs> <laughs> Only in the movies because the, the Trigador would have beat the holy hell out of him. Yeah, in real life, in real yeah. life. But he manages to get past. So, so of course, uh, Laura is very intrigued by Coffin Joe, and it turns out she shares the same beliefs as he does. Right. And there's a, there's a soiree of sorts. Uh, yeah, at, nice at party a, that yeah. the – that the mayor or the the mayor, yeah, yeah, or the, is it the colonel or the well, mayor? he's called the colonel, but he is basically the, the mayor. mayor. He yeah. seems to have a lot of say in this. Yeah, town. so he, he somehow he gets invited or shows up, which well, he just crashes it. Which he's got security, right? They could have just thrown him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I love too when he introduces his card, and they pretty much are like, "Well, you're not invited." It's yeah. pretty much just like again. Yeah. Do you know who I am, yeah. bitch? <laughs> this <laughs> Let guy, me in. <laughs> this, no one seems to just throw him out. Yeah. It's just like he manages to get past the classic. He just walks past and everybody just seems to look at each other like, well, how did he get by us? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's just Joe. <laughs> that's just good old Joe. So so, so it turns out, uh, you know, Laura has eyes on Joe and Joe has eyes on Laura. But um, her brother uh, Claudio doesn't seem to uh, doesn't seem to mind this, and he tries to bribe Joe to leave the town. He would give, he basically says, "I'll give you a shit ton of money if right. you just leave." And Joe, at first, you know, kind of, it's like, "Oh, okay, fine." But when Claudio leaves, Joe has a plan that he concocts with Marcia, in which he tells her to go seduce Trucador, right. and then to get him out of the way. Yeah, to get him out of the way because Trucador has his eyes on Maria, on Maria basically, because mm-hmm. he's been basically stalking her. And at one point, when all the women, when these women disappear, they suspect Trucador of taking them. But um, so Joe, once Claudio arrives with a bag full of money, Joe pretty much has Bruno attack Claudio. Right. But and the, Joe takes the bag of money and just whacks Claudio over the face with it. But there was one question he asked. And the question, you always say yes. Does anybody know you're here? Yes, the whole fucking town knows I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> and he knew I'm coming to give you the money. Yeah, yeah. So, so of course. Because he, he says no. And that's when Bruno comes out and they just, you know, yeah. whack him and, you know. Knock him out and, you know, put him in the dungeon. So now, yeah, he's in the dungeon and Coffin Joe has him strapped onto a, um, a stone slab and he has like a huge – Another uh, slab. Gi- like a giant rock slab yeah. hung. And he, he's going to crush him. Yeah, yeah. He's going to crush him with this – he's going to crush his head. And I love how, how it was done too. Now, he, logistically speaking, how, how does a house or, or, or a business – a place of business have all this stuff? <laughs> well, the answer to your question is simple. Uh <laughs> The rock is being held by a rope, which is controlled by a little a dial 
that is being turned by Bruno. <laughs> Who's going to assemble it? Because <laughs> Coffin Joe was in jail yeah, and yeah. in a mental ward, and it was just Bruno. He didn't have an army yet. <laughs> yeah, he didn't even know Bruno yet. Yeah. Why would he have all this yeah. stuff? So, so anyway, okay, okay. So, digress. Well, log- logistics aside, yeah. <laughs> uh, so. And I love how this goes too, because because you know he has he has Claudio strapped on the table, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that rock is just slowly coming down. But then he stops it, and then of course Joe decides to take a take some take that torch and just light the end of the uh, yeah. thing. I, I, I will say, so you said something about like believing in God that the God will yeah. stop the rock from crushing right, your right, head. Right, right, right. <laughs> and he tells him, if you see if you see God, say hello to the angels. But right. then he says, but if you end up in hell. Please give uh, Satan my address. And then, of course, the rock comes down and crushes his head like a grape. (laughs) (laughs) Love that scene. It's a lot of fun. Yes. Again, it's very like universal 30s, 40s adventure. But this was done in the late 60s. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Whatever. It's all good. Yeah. So so then uh, uh, Marcia tells Trucador that she wants money and and, and Trucador is like – Kind of like, oh, where am I going to get money? Yeah. And then, of course, he, Trucador is at a bar and Bruno shows up and says, you know, uh, Coffin and Joe would like to challenge anybody to a, to a poker game. And, of course, Trucador is like, yes, I would like to uh, challenge him. Uh, Trucador doesn't seem to be the sharpest tool in the shed. I yeah. don't know how he's going to fare in a poker game. <laughs> I know because he pretty much loses every single dime he has to Coffin Joe, who who is apparently a very excellent poker player. So – you know, of course, Joe says to him, well, hey, tough luck and everything. And Trucador leaves. But then as Trucador is walking outside, Bruno attacks him and knocks him out. Yes. And then – Bruno gets to jump on uh, poor, poor Well, Trucador. yeah. So – and then they place the dead body of Claudio right next to a knocked out Trucador with the bag full of money. Yes. Convenient. Convenient. <laughs> yes. Convenient. <laughs> so then, of course, the townsfolk run outside and find, you know – you know, a troubadour laying there knocked out who's slowly waking up and then sees the dead body of Claudio laying, laying right next to him. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Trucador is in jail. And then Maria tells the police, yes, he said he was going to kill Claudio and get the money from him and everything. <laughs> I, I, of course, would like to know how – why would – the fact that they believe this, that the sheriff and everybody believes this. I'd like to know – okay, so if Trucador killed – Well, we know he didn't. Yeah, but if he, right. if he did kill him – why would he just immediately get knocked out right. and, and lay there at yeah. the body and with a bag full of money? So now it's <laughs> he thinks it's too easy. Yeah, it's too easy. I mean, these townsfolk are either very clueless or they're just very stupid, and they completely believe this whole thing. So of course, oh. yeah. But then Trucador ends up escaping, and then of course he's he's hired by the mayor to go round up a couple of tough thugs to go get uh, Coffin Joe. Meanwhile, Coffin Joe is at the uh, at the bar having a couple of drinks, and he overhears one of the uh, guys whose wife was kidnapped, and he finds out that the that the girl that said to Coffin Joe, you know, the one that was dying with the snake on her, you know, saying that he, she would curse him, turned out that she was pregnant, mm. and then of course, good old Joe begins to have a guilty conscience about that because he's basically not, not that he's upset that he killed this woman, well, of course not, but he's upset that he inside. killed the kid, the baby, yes, and of course. Gotta love that logic. Gotta love that logic. Yeah, yeah. So of course, Laura tells him that there's nothing to worry about. You know, she's trying to reassure him, and that you know, and they, you know, I, th- I believe they have sex at this point. Yeah, yeah. And then of course, good old Joe begins to have a dream where a slender, dark figure mm-hmm. proceeds to drag him into a into a graveyard. 
and into hell. Yes, into hell. It has to be, without question, one of the most surrealistic scenes yeah, ever. I, mean, I, I would assume maybe a little uh, uh, Jose was maybe taking a little LSD or something at the time. Well, I just love when he's dragged to the cemetery and all of a sudden these hands pop out of the right. ground and just drag yeah, him into the I, ground. I like that because it's a cool effect because he, he gets dragged, he gets pulled um, into, the, uh, into the ground off screen and you see him fall and then into like color. Which is a, yes. a very cool, like almost again, like a like the Wizard of Oz type kind of thing, where you know, you know, Dorothy's in Kansas in black and white. You get to Oz, which is in this case hell, and everything's colorized and you know, yeah, and in vibrant cor- colors. And, and, and hell has to be one of the craziest LSD trips ever. Exactly. Seen. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was it was, it was, you know. A lot of nakedness, a, well, a lot of brute uh, spankings. Yeah, he's dragged into hell, and then the first thing we see is when he lands on the ground. He's landed on, on the ground that's basically supposed to be human skin, and you see it pulse and breathe right. and everything. And then he, and then you, and it's snowing in hell. Yes. It's like it's snowing in there, and then he starts seeing all these demons torturing. These these poor souls with like pitch these like pitch really fork. weird looking pitchforks and whippings right. and like like bloods dripping from the, the ceiling the ce- from mixing the, with the snow. I'm like yeah, I mean it, people's heads are like it, trapped in, in the walls. It's, and everything. it's a very cool and surreal scene. Oh my god, how, how they did it, especially during the time. I, I would assume most of the budget probably went for this one like five minute scene. Oh yeah. I- it is without question one of the craziest sequences ever. Just, just, just go from black and white to ending up in hell, and it's just filmed in vibrant color, and it's just so. And of course, Coffin Joe sees himself as a as, devil. As a devil, yeah. And of course, he's terrified by that prospect. So, which, what did you think it was going to be? You're an evil human yeah, being. Yeah. <laughs> well, but remember, he defy he defies God, and he doesn't believe that there's a hell. So. Yeah. So, there is no heaven, there is so no hell, there's, no there's hell, only but, earth. But here he is, he's in hell, and he sees himself as the devil. And then, of course, he wakes up from this horrifying dream. And then later on, he finds out that, well, what? Laura is... No, Laura is what? With child. Yes. They're expecting. Which is kind of weird, because he just had sex with her. I mean, it's like, you don't know for weeks, but... <laughs> well, we have to assume some days have yeah. passed, so... Yeah. So... That was one hell of a dream. Yeah. Ooh. It lasted three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, of course, Joe now ends up going to the bar, having a couple of drinks to celebratory drinks, yes. But uh, all is not well because... A, a, a Trudor, was it Trudor? Trudor, rounds up his posse and they start putting a give chase to old Joe. Yes, they, they first get the upper hand and have him. Yeah, they have – not have him, have no, they, him. They, they, <laughs> they, they capture they, him. They, they capture him. Yes, Which, sorry, folks. And, 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 they, <laughs> and they put him in the back of this wagon or the, the car – yeah, wagon yeah, or this cart. Is, yeah, this wagon. And, and uh, you know, they have him tied up. But somehow he manages to get free and like like uh, he has like a blade of some Yeah, he sort. has two knives that he has hidden in the back of his cloak. So he pulls them out and he secretly puts them on the on the side of his shoes. Right. And then he pushes his feet up and manages to, to – to, to stab the guy to death on his throat right. with these two knives. That was actually a pretty ingenious death sequence. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it's very James Bondish. <laughs> so, and then of course he escapes. They chase him. And I love that Coffin Joe comes across a boat and finds this huge axe. <laughs> and then convenient. convenient. But I love how huge it is. Yes, and then the guy's huge. and the guy's looking for him and then he's like this Looking, he's, one of the guys is like they say we're looking for him. He's like the devil, and then he turns around and he sees Coffin Joe. And he goes, "Well, then you have found me." And he just whacks him in the head with the axe. I love that shot because yeah. he hits him, and, it, and you get this nice shot of the huge axe sticking out of the guy's right. head, and he's screaming like crazy. Yeah, and, and Trucador is you know is 
you know, dumbfounded, which, well, he's just, well, he's dumb. <laughs> I mean, are they surprised that this guy has finally gotten the upper hand? Yeah. So and then, of course, they see Coffin Joe in the distance and they're going to go after him. But, of course, it was all a big trick because they fall into a huge, like, quicksand-type swamp mm-hmm. thing. And I love it, too. He's Trigador is asking for Joe to help him out, to help <laughs> free him. But then, of course, Joe just stands there listening to his uh, – he lighting up his pipe with a – um, a lighter that also plays music, right? Too. And he also holds it to his yeah, ear. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you know, at the end of it, Trigador is like telling him he's the envoy of Satan. And I'm standing there thinking, well, you're asking him to help you. You know, he's not going to help you. So why don't you just curse him out while you still have more time? <laughs> I Poor mean, Trigador. Oh uh, yeah. It's all, all he wanted to do was get laid by that pretty girl. Yeah, and, and kill this guy. Yeah. But of course, I love how. And again. As much as we're having fun kind of picking apart the weird weirdness of it, the weirdness of it is what makes the movie kind of work, you know? Right. Because we're, like, standing here going, why, why is this character? But it's like, oh, oh well. Yeah. So basically the, the mayor or the colonel finds out and he's fucking pissed. Yeah. Well, uh, well, well and, and, and as well as he should be. Right. <laughs> and, um, and in the meantime, Laura is – apparently the pregnancy is not going well. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, 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 honestly, I kind of forget this part. What what exactly happens to to Laura? I mean, I think she dies, doesn't she? She gets killed. Yeah, she. Go, um, we believe she has a miscarriage, or at least uh, okay. you know, she dies during during. Because uh, and then yeah, oh no, yeah, because it, she's have yeah, she's the doctor is seeing her because oh, because Joe goes back to like his house. Yeah, and, and the doctor and, and the doctor's us. there and is saying that uh, there's something wrong with the baby yeah. and there's something wrong with you know her and the the baby doesn't survive and neither does she. Basically, yeah. she has a miscarriage and she bleeds out or she dies. Yeah, somehow. yeah, and of course, Joe does not seem to believe that he believe because at one point he seems remorseful, but then he just immediately goes back to uh, his usual self and just goes, "No, I do not believe she." I don't is accept dead. that. Yeah, and, and he's actually and at one point he's like telling her, "Laura," he's trying to basically just by talking to her, just yelling at her, "Laura," you know, telling her, "Laura." You will come back, and of course she doesn't. And yes. of course, he's trying to will it, and at the same time, it turns out that. Uh, uh, Marcia, who has kept everything a secret, now has become uh, full of guilt and she poisons herself and then she tells the doctor that uh, Coffin Joe is responsible for abducting the women and having them killed right. and everything. So now, of course, once this news gets out, the mayor is able to get the town to a revolt. Finally. Finally. Uh, oh, my God. So, they, so, so, so they, they give chase and Joe's on the run uh, again. Um, and they chase him into the swamp. Yeah. Well, all the while, Joe is continuing to rally against God because there is thunder and lightning going on outside. Oh. And, a, and a priest shows – and one of the the priests shows up to try to stop him. But, of course, he defies the priest as well. And then Joe falls into the swampy water. Right. And, of course, you know, the priest and the police, they're all surrounding him because they pretty much have him cornered. And Joe, of course, goes on his tirade about how – you know, there is no, no God. God. There's no, you know. And he said, if there is a God, show me. And, of course, as it turns out, the swampy water he fell into is where he threw the, the dead women's bodies mm-hmm. because now there's, there's skeletal bodies. Convenient. Float, float up, <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden, uh, good old Joe has a revelation and now all of a sudden is terrified and sinks into the swampy water saying that now God does exist. And that he wishes to be saved, but it's too late. He just gets swallowed into the water. Now, unfortunately, that was not the original ending that uh, Jose Mojica Marins wanted to do. 
I don't have and just FYI I don't have any fun facts for this film so the uh, original, shoot the original ending was basically he just goes out in the blaze of glory you know cursing out God but the censor board didn't appreciate that and they would refuse to, to allow him, Jose Mojica Marins to release the movie unless he shot an, an, a new ending in which basically Coffin Joe repents. Re- repents and in fact the dialogue that he says there was written by the head censor himself Oh wow! So, so, Very interesting. So he had to add this ending on the movie, and what's interesting is, despite the fact that the movie did very well, it was a big hit. The audience knew at the end of the picture that the whole thing was a gag because they knew there's no way in hell Coffin Joe would have repented. Right? <laughs> they knew, but they had to go along with it because they get the movie released. So, so, but I have to say, it is actually a very interesting ending, nonetheless, because it's interesting to see Joe half about pretty much being swallowed up in the swamp. You know, I, I was I was about to want to see an alligator just come out of nowhere. Yeah, and just kill him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, but it, it, I mean, we've thrown so many other classic, you know, American Universal type films, and why not just go with the you know the, the gator in a swamp? Yeah, that would have been better than him just going into the water and saying, "I now believe in God. Please save me." Yeah. <laughs> just see the gator just chomping on the top hat. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it would be better if he was wearing the top hat because he, he pretty much loses the top hat in his cape. <laughs> if he fell in there and when he went in there, all that was yeah. there was just the hat. You just saw yeah. it go into like, yeah. <laughs> But uh, that's basically how it ends. It ends with him repenting, quote unquote. And dying. Yeah. and We think. Well, we think, yes. And uh, that's basically the end of – of uh, this night, I'll possess your corpse, which yeah. is, which is a second nail in the coffin. Yeah, second huh. nail in the coffin. I mean, you know, as a sequel, it, it is serviceable. I mean, it, it's fun in its own way. It, it it's, is. It is. It's not as dark and grim as the first. Film. It, it isn't, and I and I know I gave it a lot of stuff about you know, or in the beginning, and and I still I still stand by that you know, but if this was just like a standalone film, oh, yeah. I mean, because we've he's already created a universe, and now he's trying to uh, kind of like. Adapt it again, or like to to uh, mold yeah, it again. It's it's, it's this bizarre university. Yeah. So I mean, I like it. I didn't love it as first as much as the first one. Yeah, uh, um, but it's, it's it isn't bad. I mean, it isn't bad. I mean, I I, I do I give uh, plus there's a lot more nudity in this. Oh one. yes, yes, a lot more nudity. Well, a lot more in the uh, in the hell sequence. Yeah. <laughs> but, lots of uh, lots of tit shots. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I have to say I, I I like the weird the weird low budget creativeness that's put into this movie because it just fe- again. You know, the cemetery sets this rinky-dink set and everything, but it's still – it feels like you're watching a stage show just right. filmed and brought – you know, mm-hmm. basically creating this own, you know, world and brought – you know, basically, you know, bringing in a movie camera and filming it. And then, you know, the hell sequence is just outrageously crazy – just that, 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 that's, crazy. That's probably, probably my, one of my favorite parts of the If you have movie. to see this film, even if you don't want to see the first film, which – but I have to say you have to watch I, the first film. I, I will say this. You, you would be doing yourself a disservice if you didn't yeah. watch the first film. So you need to watch the first one. But if you have not watched the first film and you're watching this one, just watch this for the hell sequence alone. Yeah. It's just the craziest scene ever done. But um, besides that – it is a serviceable sequel. It, yeah. It's fun in its own way. It's not dark as the first film, but it's 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 just it's, it, it's kind of a rehashing of the first film a little yeah. bit, kind of like Jaws and Jaws two. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It goes in a little bit of a different direction. Right, but. right. 
So, I mean, I, I don't, do you have any uh, crazy trivia to offer? Uh, unfortunately, I, I could not find any. You I, couldn't? Okay. I could not find any. I well, mean, that's okay. It's okay. I, I think but, we should just, you know, you, I, you gave it a thumbs up. Yeah, I'm giving it a thumbs I, up. I, you know, you, you, you liked it. You didn't love it, or did you love it? I, didn't, I don't love it, yeah. but I mean, I, guess I, it, I, lo- I, I like it for just, yeah. you know, doing what it was. I mean, it, it, like I said, it's, it's a serviceable sequel that, right. that does what it's supposed to yeah. do. I mean, I, I liked it. I didn't love it like I like, like the first one, um, but I'll give it a thumbs up because it was a lot of creative stuff, even minus seeing the you know Universal Frankenstein yeah, feel yeah, to yeah, it, yeah, yeah. but still liked it. So, so thumbs up for me. So after the release of This Night I'll Possess Your Corpse, uh, Jose Mojica Marin's career took off even more thanks to his character Coffin Joe. The second entry proved to be a box office success, and as it allegedly as it was allegedly said that the film was seen by an audience of six or seven million Brazilian theater goers. Soon afterwards, Marin's career as a horror filmmaker would take off. He would become involved with two horror TV programs, mm. uh, one called Beyond, Far Beyond the Beyond, uh, which became the number one show in its time slot, <clears throat> and then a second show called The Strange World of Coffin Joe. Despite Marin's success, the government-run censor board considered the horrors of Jose Mojica Marin's to be a huge threat to Brazilian society, <laughs> and therefore the censors began to impose restrictions over the distribution of his films. Uh, soon afterwards, Marin's films began to suffer more and more via censorship interference. Uh, adapting three short stories for his omnibus The Strange World of Coffin Joe in 1968 for the big screen, Marin's on-screen horror so disgusted the censors that one member of the board requested Marin's should be arrested. And while Marin's would bring Coffin Joe back in unrelated productions like Black Exorcism in 1974 – and The Strange Hostel of Naked Pleasures in 1976, he attempted to tackle the the ravaging drug scene and urban violence that was affecting Sao Paulo at the time with his 1971 production, Awakening of the Beast. The film was inspired by an incident in which Marin saw a pregnant prostitute getting beaten to death by local police officers. And while Awakening of the Beast was Marin's personal, ex, personal exploitive look at what was going on in Brazil, the finished product so enraged the Brazilian censors, and the movie was banned outright. It wouldn't have a, the film wouldn't have a screening until 1986 at the wow. Rio de Janeiro Film Festival, and even then the picture saw little to no release in regional Brazilian theaters. But even worse for Jose Mojica Marins was the foundation of Embra Film, which was a state-financed production company created by members of the then, quote, Cinema Nuovo, unquote, movement – which was an attempt to control Brazilian cinema as a whole through the military dictatorship. The idea was to protect Brazilian cinema by forcing theater owners to show local productions for at least 100 days of the year, as well as making it a requirement for theaters to show Brazilian short films before any foreign imported feature and paying 5% of the box office percentage to the producer of said short film. As a result... Smaller theaters began to suffer from this edict and would close down. In the first 15 years of Ember Films' run, at least, the, at least three theaters per week were closed down. Wow. Jose Mojica Marins' family lost their independently ran theater in 1970, which his father ran for over 30 years. In effect, Ember Film destroyed the thriving independent film scene in Brazil via hyperinflation in movie budgets and the decimation of smaller neighborhood theaters. And while the Cinema Nuovo members within Ember Film would be supported with healthy budgets, independent productions made by the likes of Jose Mojica Marins outside the system had to deal with the bureaucratic protectionist laws created by the state. Needless to say, Marins' career would continue to slide even, 
even further. In the early 1980s, he tried to form a church as well as running for Congress in 1982 as... Coffin Joe. Coffin Joe, (laughs) yes. Sadly, due to falling on hard times and drinking heavily, he more or less embarrassed himself at a political rally and lost a congressional election. Marin's cinematic career began to go through ebbs and flows in the late in, in the late in, in the late and mid 1980s, leaning towards the hardcore porno genre with such alluring titles like 24 Hours of Explicit Sex from 1984. But as Marin's career was on its last legs, his early cinematic contributions to horror began to make their way to American Home Video in 1980 via the Seattle-based company Something Weird Video. <laughs> Soon afterwards, Marin's began to find cult movie fame all around the world, and his career was revitalized. And, since Coffin Joe was the character that made his career, Marin's finally made Embodiment of Evil in, 19, in 2008, featuring a much bigger budget, better special effects, and a more expansive plotline than the earlier films. Embodiment of Evil provided the third and final film in the official Coffin, Coffin Joe trilogy. Embodiment of Evil starts off in a mental institution where none other than Joseph Zanatis, otherwise known as Coffin Joe, has been residing in solitary confinement for the past 40 years. It turns out he didn't drown to death in This Night I'll Possess Your Corpse, but in fact he rose from the water and became more evil than ever. Coffin Joe is released from solitary and is greeted by his faithful hunchback servant Bruno. Despite being released, the city of Sao Paulo has changed over the years, a city filled with rampant drug use, prostitution, and corrupt police officials. Bruno presents Coffin Joe with their new home, which contains plenty of torture devices on hand, as well as four assistants ready to do whatever Coffin Joe has planned. Convenient. Yes, <laughs> convenient. Once again, Joe is looking for women to carry his child, and thus his team, of, his team proceeds to kidnap various women, torture them, and whoever lives will succumb to Coffin Joe's will. However, two corrupt police officials, Captain Osvaldo Pontus and his brother Colonel Claudemiro Pontus and, Cla- and Catholic monk Father Eugenio, are not content to letting Coffin Joe have his way. Yes, folks, this is it. The third and final film, Embodiment of Evil, of uh, Coffin Joe. And I have to say, it's very interesting how after all these years... Um, it's a long. It's a long time between sequels. I mean, uh, like, oh yeah, it is. But it's also a, a perfect example of just how far a step up this film is over the other two films well, in terms of pr- production and special yeah. effects and the money that's went into it. Isn't it, it is interesting how this sequel is just so nuts. Nuts, and it is far removed from the amount of years from the other two films are. But yeah. I have to say, the movie does a pretty good job of connecting the dots, at least in terms of. Uh, that's one of the, the one of the only positive things I will say about the yeah, film. Yeah, I will say yes. We were talking about this before the recording that it, it it's an okay sequel. It it is somewhat disappointing on certain levels because of the fact that the film seems to be more or less channeling Hostel and Hellraiser mm. to a degree. Which, again, th- now I can't believe we're talking about this, but that was like, uh, technically it was almost a decade ago yeah, that, yeah. that this film came out. So right. again, the, the the landscape of horror has changed a little bit. Like you said, like what Saw and Hostel and, uh, you know, um, Jose f- tried to fit, fit uh, try to fit into that time period, try to fit into that, that genre, subgenre, I guess. Yeah. Of, of having these ty- ty- this type of film. Well, this was 2008, so yeah. I think... Well, it was- well, because it was between what, Saw was still big. Saw and Hostel were big in two thousand what? Well, five, and you also had the other films that were being done, like um, you know, 
Teresa's was kind of like a hostile type film, and there was mm-hmm. another one too that I forget. But uh, yeah, that craze was still kind of going on. Yeah. And so I'd say about, up until about two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve. I mean, right, it was, it was for a while. So I think I think uh, Jose Mojica Marins was kind of looking at those films in an attempt to to utilize their themes to. I guess make this movie a little more marketable to the international a, a, scene. So. A broader appeal for, for, yeah, more, yeah. for more people at the time. And you know. I got to say the gore effects are, are pretty grisly. No, they, they, are, they are. And I mean I'm no prude when it comes to violence and horror films. But man, this had me cringing a couple of times you know, throughout the film um, just because it was just nuts. Yeah, yeah it was a, it just – I mean but even for the sequel standards, it's just – it is kind of a disappointment because of the fact that um, – that's where it's kind of leaning towards. Right. Um, and, and, and also, you know, with respect to Jose Mojica Marins, you know, he he returns in the movie as Coffin Joe. Right. But it's kind of interesting to see how he went from being this rather slightly somewhat tall-looking, yeah. uh, slender guy to this sort like of... short and dumpy kind of guy. pudgy kind of guy. Yeah. It kind of works for the movie because of the fact that 40 years have passed. Yeah, I mean, the guy, the, guy is no long, the guy is no longer 30 or 40 years old. He's now in his 80s. Um, now, I, I, I personally found this film a, to be kind of a rough go just because I found all the characters to be unlikable. I couldn't root for well, them <laughs> or get behind them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other well, than the fact that these men wanted to kill him because he was evil. Well, and that's interesting, too, because the characters in the first film aren't very well drawn out. They... They are somewhat sympathetic in the first film because yeah. – but then at the same time, it's like why would they be hanging around with this guy? Uh, in the second film, the characters are kind of uh, – they're they're, they're kind of not really – I didn't root for the characters in the right. second film as much simply because I felt like once again that they're – they're, they're shrouded by their own ignorance, yeah. not understanding. And, that, and truthfully, you know, the, the only one person I really liked in the first one was the good doctor. Yeah, the good I, doctor. I, I think he. I think they could have given him more to do. Yeah, yeah. Before well, you know, they, Coffin Joe lit on fire. Yeah, yeah, and poked his, his eyes, eyes out. out yeah. So, so basically, Embodiment of Evil picks up after forty years. Yes, uh, good old Joe has been in solitary confinement in a mental institution for all this time, and it has been uh, announced. That uh, he is going to be released because you know he's basically served his time. Uh, yeah, the uh, lawyer but, or, or somebody let him yeah, out. Yeah, somebody let him out, which we'll but, find out about later. But, but honestly, this dude has been charged with murder before. I mean, I know there's no double jeopardy, but again, I don't know what it is in Brazil, but I, I don't know. I'm yeah. surprised death penalty hasn't yeah. been inflicted. I mean, okay, so even <laughs> if you get rid of, I mean, maybe we're. I'm, I'm definitely overthinking this too much with 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 lawyers and court stuff. But so this dude has been killing. Chicks since the nineteen early nineteen sixty four whatever it is mm-hmm. when he killed his 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 business partner and his somewhat girlfriend and then his best friend and his his fiance and then so then he was acquitted of the murders back then <laughs> before he was released from the from the institution or whatever it is before right. we picked up from the the second movie <sighs> and then we get you know and then this guy's surrounded dead to rights. I mean, he yeah. fucking killed like four other women, five other women. Yeah. Well, and also they they point out that while he was in in, in jail, he killed a couple of inmates, quite a bit of inmates so as well. So why is this dude even allowed to breathe fresh air? I mean, he should be under the jail. Yeah. But anyway. But oh well. So he gets out, and he's greeted by the hunchback Bruno, who's also been hiding out for years, and somehow has been waiting for Coffin Joe to appear. <laughs> and I love the shot when he gets out. 
all of a sudden this car comes out of nowhere and just bumps into Coffin Joe and right. pu- pushes him aside. Yeah. And, of course, inside the car is um, a fellow by the name of um, uh, Captain Osvaldo Pontes, who will come back into the movie. And he looks over and he basically – and he's basically just – he's a police captain. Mm-hmm. They just hit this guy and he's already telling the Coffin Joe to go fuck off and everything. So we can already tell that this – that uh, Brazil has been uh, stuck in corruption for quite a while. I, I love the contrast of this because, you know, Coffin Joe has been living in like very small towns that are like right, villages, yeah. villages. Yeah. And here he is in Sao Paulo in this big urban developed city. Right. And the thing is, again, 40 years have passed. Things are much fa- faster, more hectic, and he yeah. can't deal with the noise. He yeah, doesn't he like all the noise. De- he can't deal with I mean, it's like everything has changed. Yeah. And, I lo- and, and one shot I did like that kind of. It shows like an interesting contrast of his character. Just even though how evil he is, he walks by and he sees these two kids huffing, mm-hmm. huffing drugs in these plastic bags, and you get this shot of him looking at them, and he just shakes his head in disgust, like, "What is going on here?" Yeah. So, killing, raping, murdering—it's okay. That, that's fine. But yeah. I draw the line at drug use. <laughs> yeah, he's like these kids and these drugs. Ah. Okay, so uh, we see J- Coffin Joe and uh, the Bruno. Come to this small, like mom and pop outside, like bar, and we run into a more few, few are more unsavorable characters. Yeah, <laughs> and take it away, Chris. We're, they're there. Yeah, yeah, they're there, and they're just you know, they're kind of just being tough guys and everything. And, and Joe is kind of asserts himself, and you know, but and it's, it really wasn't that. It's not really an interesting moment just right. because the fact that like, they were talking it, about earlier about characters just being like not likable. Right. I mean. Um, with the exception of Coffin Joe's character, who, even though as evil as he is, he pretty much seems to be the most interesting character in the whole right. show. But yeah, they're, they're, and he and he and Bruno all of a sudden start recruiting people. It's almost like a, a Charlie Manson esque well, kind of well, uh, well, cult following. Right, right. Well, what happens is, is that once they, once Bruno takes them to their place, they go into this like small house, and that leads to an underground cellar that happens to have a. Torture dungeon, mm-hmm. yeah, convenient, convenient, yeah, and as well as a coffin containing a bunch of treasure and everything, convenient, it's convenient. We have to assume that that is uh, how um, they had the money to pay for this damn was, thing. Was he a that. fucking pirate? Did he uh, rob other <laughs> pirates? Holy shit! So, so then, and of course, turns out he has uh, Bruno has assembled four, or maybe he was a grave digger. Or, you know, no, he was well. He oh well, that's uh, right. You, you know, a grave, grave robber, not yeah. grave robber, grave uh, not grave digger, grave robber. Okay, so. well, well, we never really got to see him robbing any graves. So no. you know, just unanswered questions galore. And uh, <laughs> he, uh, so now we also discover that um, Bruno has been setting up a recruitment for uh, these four individuals, who uh, uh, two guys and these two girls, who are going to work for uh, Coffin Joe uh, to proc- to procure uh, women that would serve him. To uh, give birth to the perfect child, the perfect son that he wants. <sighs> Joe, 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 Joe. Hey, old habits never die. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> they just get crusty. <laughs> <laughs> and at the same time, though, Joe begins to have visions, seeing uh, ghosts of uh, uh, Terzinia from the first film and Laura from the the second film uh, in this case Laura holding the unborn child mm-hmm. of their son that they never he, had. I, he's getting flashbacks he's getting like these um what do you call it? like hallucinations that yeah. are, they're getting stronger each time throughout right, the film right and they're just engulfing him and everything and i believe it's in a, in a sense to challenge his uh mentality of uh, how he's 
does not believe in the, the hell. He doesn't believe in God. He believes in nothing except mm-hmm. himself. But here he is once again being challenged. <laughs> and um, also, at the same time, uh, good old Joe and Bruno witnessed the murder of two young boys by the uh, Captain uh, uh, Osvaldo Pontes, the guy that was in the car earlier. That ah, didn't okay. Him. And uh, at one point, uh, Joe uh, attacks him and slightly cuts uh, the captain's throat. And the ah. captain lives, but... He wants to find out who this guy is. Mm-hmm. So he gets a friend of his to find out who it is. And then once they find out it's uh, Coffin Joe, yeah. uh, the guy takes the information to Osvaldo's brother, who's uh, Colonel Claudemiro Pontus, who wears an eye patch <laughs> over his eye. And he's also a... He's the pirate. Uh, yeah, he's a pirate. <laughs> he's also a uh, idolater. He's a uh, hardcore apostate Roman Catholic. <laughs> Who, uh, so when he finds, he's got a Bible of Jesus yeah, yeah, on his desk. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's got like uh, the the statue of Christ and everything. Oh. He's t- so he the guy tells him who this person is, and uh, Claude Miro knows who it is because the reason why he has the eye patch is due to a flashback sequence we saw. We see that uh, in the second film when Joe fell into the water and was crying for God's help, it turns out that uh, Joe rose from the water. And, and poked his eye out. And poked, the, and poked a young uh, Claudemiro's eye out as he was a young police officer before he be Convenient. <laughs> Convenient, yes. But it does sort of help stitch, stitch it together yeah. because we find out what happened to him after uh, the second film. Yeah. Is that he didn't drown after all. He basically rose out of the water and uh, proceeded to uh, take a wooden cross from a priest and uh, – beat his chest in with it. And and what was funny is that we then see Bruno hiding off screen in the forest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was never there before. Right, 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 right. (laughs) But apparently Bruno has shown up from the the home office. (laughs) Yes. So, so of course, now uh, uh, Claudemiro Pontus, the colonel, wants to get Coffin Joe and he finds out that his wife, Lucy, was responsible because she's a, a legal consulate. Uh, she's responsible for setting Coffin Joe free. How do you set an animal like that free? I just oh, we don't even find out why exactly, but we do get to see uh, him quickly go to her uh, office and start beating her up with a that... billy club with his two assistants. Yeah, so then she gets beat up, then abducted, and uh, on the way home by uh, by Bruno. Well, here's what. Well, so before we get to that, yeah, so. Uh, Bruno is watching. Well, actually, no. For we find out that uh, Maria, the young bartender at the the bar there, yeah, like the gypsy lady. Yeah, like, no, 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 no. That's no, not, a different person. No, Maria, this young bartender. Oh, okay. She kind of ha- starts slowly having eyes on on Joe, as well as Helena, a uh, niece of these two gypsy women. Ah, okay. So, and then in the meantime, uh, Bruno one day is walking down the street, and he had there's a TV set on, and, he, and there's a report of a Dr. Hilda. Uh, oh, she's hot. Yes. Oh, yes, she is. Most of the women in this movie are very yeah. hot. So, and and Coffin Joe's eighty, and uh, yeah, and he manages to get all these women. What what the hell? I don't know. Do I have to turn eighty years old and go to Brazil? And you know, and, you gotta you gotta be put in like a solitary confinement uh, for like thirty years and have like a coffin full of gold and shit. And, you know. <laughs> uh, anyway, so so Bruno sees Doctor Hilda uh, on the news talking about how she's found the uh, the secret to eternal life. And that the eternal life is blood, which is what Coffin Joe has been talking about for the hey. past forty years. So 
Uh, she is kidnapped. Did we just become best friends? I yes. think so. <laughs> so she is kidnapped and brought to good old Joe, who decides to inject her with drugs. And then to, cut off a piece of her butt. <laughs> yeah, she hallucinates thinking that Coffin Joe has cut off a piece of her uh, rear end. And you know, she's, ba- she's basically fed a piece of her own ass to her. But then she wakes up from the hallucinogenics and she vomits blood and she's okay. So yeah. I guess now she's going to But be is there. her ass still intact? Yeah, it is. That's it a is fine ass. Yeah, <laughs> it's a fine ass, man. Yes, and it could uh, nice and tenderized. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, she is now going to be part of the uh, Coffin Joe's little group, or at least we think he, she is. She is mesmerized by his... Uh, Ability to uh, grow long fingernails. Yes, grow those <laughs> long ass fingernails. Holy shit! So it kind of looked like a deranged boss hog. Yes, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good description. I did not think about that. <laughs> so then, like we said earlier, uh, Claude Miro uh, uh, attacks his wife Lucy, discovering that she is the one responsible for getting Joe out of jail. So then, everything with these people is violence. I shit. know. Yeah. Holy Christ. So then. The police uh, pay a visit to Bruno, who proceeded to beat him senselessly. <laughs> and then, um, of course, Lucy's with the police. And uh, Coffin Joe shows up with a bunch of two uh, killer Rottweilers that he unleashes to kill the police. Now, where do you get those puppies at? Well, I love how the dogs kill him. And then they take the other two police officers and Lucy, which, by the way, it's interesting the two police officers they abduct are two females. We didn't know at first until Bounce, we go, wow, yeah, wow. until we see them. 1980s Brazilian porn. <laughs> yes, yes. And then uh, they proceed to torture the two police officers. And good old Joe decides to, uh, to have Lucy basically blindfold her by cutting off her scalp and flipping it over over her eyes. You know, there's such an easier, more logical way to do that. Like take a blindfold yeah. and put it over? Yeah, or, or a tie or a But then shirt. we wouldn't have these cool gore effects. Yeah. <laughs> I got to say the gore effects yeah, of the gore effects are, 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 are very cringeworthy. I mean, they, they, they are – they're fine. They're very a, a, little over, a little over the top, but yeah, but, but good. Yeah, like I said – they were channeling hostile and saw. So, so then Joe pays a visit to um, the two gypsy women, and that are the the mother and the aunt of yes, the, of, the young lady of Helena. Yeah, and they're, and they're talking about how that uh, Joe will not get up even if they have to go get you know through their dead bodies. And I love yeah, how Joe's like, okay, <laughs> Joe's, I love how Joe's like, hmm. Well, I, I that was very convenient. You mentioned that, <laughs> and then later. Uh, Helena shows up at the, and, at the studio. Yes, or at the and whatever. then of course Joe reveals that oh they're dead and they're hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> and then they start to make love in the yes. blood, which is a very yeah. Weird all of a sudden it rains disgusting, blood, vile it, it, thing. I mean, this guy just killed your aunt and your mom yeah. or your family, and now you're going to have sex with him. <laughs> what the fuck? Woman, your priorities are screwed up. Hey, this movie is strange from scene one. So, yes. But so Joe and her proceed to make out, but then all of a sudden it starts raining blood. And then it begins to I kill. hate that when it happens. Oh, I hate that too, man. It well, really, you know, there's not enough uh, bleach in, well, in the and, world. And then it, it fills up of blood and then all of a sudden a hand reaches in to pull Joe out of the blood. And then all of a sudden Joe seems to be in a strange variation of hell. Oh, perfect. Being introduced to the underworld by – this strange uh, individual wearing this weird 
clothing. It was kind of walking through at one point seemed to be like a, a human nostril. Uh, well, I think it was like a, like a human heart vein. Yeah. But it looks like it could be a human nostril. Yeah. Anyway, so they they walk out of this cave cavernous thing, and then we see like this big like desert full of people getting tortured again. People being like on, on, on uh, crucifixes or crucified. Um, it's yeah, more like, bizarre. Yeah, people being eaten by shit. other people. Yeah, yeah cannibalism. Yeah, insane. Just insane shit going on in this thing. And, of course, Joe is like somewhat am- startled by this but also amused because yeah. he once again does not believe that this is what they say it is. Man, Joe just doesn't want to believe shit uh, no, in this thing. No, so, he – you know, you know where, where's the love, Joe? Where's yeah, the love? Where's the, just, come on, you dude. Spread your, if you want to spread your seed, man, you know, make love, not war. You could have had, a, you know, a, an army by but now. But he'd rather rape and pillage. So, no. so then, of course, Joe, uh, it turns out, is once again going through an odd dream and he wanders back to his uh, – cavernous abode and then he basically <laughs> makes the, the declaration that they have to start kidnapping more women so they can get this whole whole project started of uh, siring the perfect son. Uh-huh. So then of course they begin to capture a bunch of women and of course torture, torture, torture. We get to see plenty of torture sequences. Yeah. More boobs, more yeah, blood. more boobs. I love it too. Most of the women in this film are mostly topless but they wear like the thongy spandex underwear and then of course – sure. And, I, and and let's talk about the torture sequences. At one point, one of the women has their face shoved in a vat of cockroaches and um, another woman has their body uh, placed inside a pig's carcass for, I don't know, for a period of time. And then once when Joe un- lets the girl out, all of a sudden she now has become a slave of Joe's, you know, mental state or whatever. I, it's very weird. Very surreal, very – um, Should we talk about the rat? Sure. Do you want to? No, you can talk about it. No, come on. you got to talk I, no, about I this. I've been talking. doing a lot of talking. I don't, don't want to do it. You can't make I, me. I, I You're not my mom. I'm going to do a lot of talking, oh. man. <laughs> well, what does he, Joe do? He takes this one woman and he straps her up like he's going to perform uh, yeah, a gynecological uh, exam. Yeah, and then he puts this tube down there and the rat runs up her vagina. But, but what does he put to, to, to attract the rat? I think it was a cheese? Yeah, yeah. Hot, hot melted cheese on her stomach. Uh, uh, it's just... That, that was. <laughs> it, that, gives, it gives the that, that ranks it right up there with that other movie we watched, reviewed. Was it with the, um, uh, with the the, uh, what was it? I'm drawing a blank here the, on the movie title, but the, with the witches and the uh, and there was the with it with the women were making love to the goat. Oh, and, uh, and then black they, candles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, stuff that you can't unsee. <laughs> Actually, I have to say, I think that um, the, uh, the the rat torture is. Up there with something in 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 hostile. That looks like something that could have been done in those films. Yeah, prob- had, had, probably. Had Eli Roth actually had the balls to go that much further, who knows? He may have. He may have just ended up on the cutting room yeah, floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? He might have. <sighs> so while all this torture is going on, and the rat's getting a nice, delicious treat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You just throw your pen down with disgust. <laughs> Rat and cooch. Uh, so then, uh, while all this torture and stuff is going on, there is another character that enters the scene, Father Eugenio, who, as we find out, is the son of Dr. Rodolfo, the man that was killed in the first film right. by Joe. I, that, that's pretty much – I like that connection right there. Yeah. I, I, I don't like his character. I know. His character is just like uh, – th- th- the character of Father Eugenio is like a man obsessed with self-torture because at one point he goes into his room and he straps 
two electrodes to his nipples yes, and, and begins to start electrocute himself. Yeah, with a car battery of some sort or, or hand crank or whatever. It, it was like – well, but I was telling you off here and I guess I'll tell you on here yeah. – on air. Um, in the movie Horrible Bosses, Kevin Spacey had that yes. nice line where he tells – uh, Jason Bateman and his associates, you can't go through life unless you put Band-Aids over your nipples. There's only – I've only done that a few times in my life and it's all for running, for, for training for the marathon because those things chase. But I mean like <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't see anywhere where Kevin Spacey said you had to put electrodes on your nipples. No, so I guess, no, I guess no. Father Eugenio is taking it so far. Well, I, I would assume when you put electrodes on your nipples, you're going to need some Band-Aids and probably some like gauze on there to, to uh, keep that from sticking to your shirt. <laughs> so – um, Father Eugenio shows up to talk to uh, Colonel Claudemiro Pontius about how they both need to get rid of Coffin Joe. And in the meantime, Claudemiro gets a nice uh, uh, gift from Coffin Joe, which consists of severed hands, particularly one of the s- severed hands of his wife, Lucy, which I find very interesting how, you know, all of a sudden Claudemiro is like all of a sudden shocked by this, despite the fact that he just spent like early, in an early scene with his two associates. Beating the shit out of her with billy clubs. See, this is this is where I get back to it. Like, there's nobody fucking likable in this goddamn no, movie. No, there isn't. I mean, again, like I said I, before, Rob Zombie could have written these characters, these trashy characters. There's just like not one redeeming quality. Oh in any yeah, of them. I, just, I totally agree. Uh, but anyway, um, so to kind of get to the, uh, the 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 big finale of this movie. Which I got to say, I, I thought was probably the best part of the whole film, to be perfectly honest. But the end, yes. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Well, you got to have a big finish, right? Yeah. Right. Well, so yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a concluding tr- uh, tr- trilogy. The so chapter. The police have finally found out where Coffin Joe, Bruno, and his, and their merry band of associates have hidden. <laughs> I like merry band of associates. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> so the police show up. They end up killing the uh, henchman of Joe, but Joe is not there. They did, they find all the bodies though. Yes. Yes. And Bruno has somehow managed to escape. He's a pudgy 80-year-old dude. He can't go that far. With a hunchback. How yeah. is he? And a limp. Yes. So, <laughs> so, so Joe is running around in the woods, occasionally being attacked by his own visions. Uh, and Captain uh, Osvaldo Pontes finally tries to get the, the drop on Joe. But uh, Joe, unfortunately, decides to slash the guy's throat again Going deeper this time. Yeah, mm-hmm. actually, no. I'm sorry. Oh no, it wasn't. It, it wasn't. It wasn't Oswaldo. No, it was the colonel. The colonel ends up. Colonel Claudemiro Pontes, the guy wearing the eye patch, the one who had his eye poked out by Joe back during you know the 60s. Um, he ends up getting uh, his getting beheaded at the end of the movie, and <laughs> I love it too. He gets God beheaded. Head. <laughs> yeah, he got head. So he gets beheaded, and then Joe runs off into a, a closed amusement park. Because you always need a funhouse mirror. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And then Joe apparently puts the uh, de- decapitated head of Claude Miro on a spike in one of the uh, amusement parks. Very so, Vlad-like. Yes. So when when Captain Osvaldo Pontes and Father Eugenio show up, they find the severed head on there. <laughs> that Joe, it crazy Joe. So the two split up to find Joe. And Osvaldo finds Joe in the, uh, I guess you could say, the House of Terror it was. Yeah, yes. for lack of a better word, sure. The fun house, it was, it was, it was a weird, weird place. A lot of different mirrors and yeah. stuff like that. So. But then, of course, uh, Joe ends up getting shot by Osvaldo. And, then, of course, you know we, we're going to get this big scene where yeah. we think Joe's going to meet his end. But then Osvaldo starts seeing visions of the two kids that he killed. 
And, of course, the guilt comes back, and then Joe takes his knife and stabs Osvaldo in the chest, Mm -hmm. pretty much ending his life. Bye-bye. But, of course, Joe is still wounded. Right. But then— Enter the monk. Yes, Father Eugenio. With his his nipples of steel. (laughs) Yes, which they both have a quick little knife fight until uh, Eugenio gets the drop on Joe and stabs him. With this— what do you? I don't know what you it's call like it. it was like a big cross-like thing yeah. with a knife on the end yeah, of it. Like, like just he stuck it to him good. Yeah, stuck it to him good. <laughs> just stabs Joe in the chest and then pretty much performs the last rites on him, right. and then that's it. And he walks away. <sighs> well, wait, he walks away, but as Father Eugenia walks away, the shadow of Coffin Joe begins to haunt him. Because right. as it turns out, you just can't get rid of the evil presence. It's Why won't you die? <laughs> and then all of a sudden Maria, the young bartender, shows up, doffs her, t- doffs her clothes and her top. And then, was, it, was it the bartender? I thought it was the, the no, gypsy lady. No, no, it was a bartender. Oh, okay. Because we already, he already had his I was just looking at the boobs. I wasn't mentioning yeah, looking at faces. Yeah, I'll be honest. I was looking too. <laughs> doffs her top and her panties, jumps on Joe and proceeds to, well, you know, ride him while he's dying. And then Joe comes back to life for just one brief, brief moment. Pump. <laughs> yes, just one brief moment of pleasure, and then that is some serious pussy power right oh, there. Revive God. a man. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then, of course, as it turns out, Joe is dead. He's been buried. Are we? Are you sure? <laughs> yes, we're sure this time. He is dead and buried. But then, the survivors of Joe's torture, uh-huh. uh, Maria, Helena, Doctor. Uh, Doctor Hil- Hilda, yes, both all, all show up at his gravesite to pregnant. put to put a yes to put a rose by his grave because they are pregnant. Yes, Coffin Joe has finally achieved his goal. He will not just have one son bearing his, bearing his blood, Four. but he will have quite a few. And of course, we can only wonder if any one of those sons will continue Coffin Joe's reign of terror. In the form of a descendant. And, of course, as a nice touch, lightning strikes Coffin Joe's grave. Uh, the end. Yes. Now, for this next sequel, uh, a dog uh, via uh, Nightmare on Elm Street gonna, is going to piss on his grave and revive Coffin Joe from the <laughs> dead. Oh. I would not be surprised. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, yes, it's not really a great sequel. It, oh, it, it, has, its, it has its issues. It's not very memorable. No. But I think in terms of – I guess you can say after all these years, it's serviceable. There are some interesting touches here and there. I do like the fact that you know here's this guy who's been in jail for 40 years of his life, has come back and he's going to try to take Sao Paulo by storm. But of course, Sao Paulo has developed into this big, gigantic, huge yeah. urban – Community, so it's like what uh, he, he's, he was out of his element. Yeah. He was, you know, it's like putting Dracula in modern day. Yeah, you know, how are you gonna, you know, as much as Dracula can sit there and say, "I can take this city," it's like, well, it, it's huge, dude. Yeah. Come on, <laughs> yeah. it's just it's a numbers game now. I mean, yeah. it's just. Uh, and some of the effects work is pretty good. The torture sequences I, get a little much. Yeah, I will say that. Yeah, the torture sequences are a little much, a little bit. Again, like I said, I'm no prude, but it was it, it, it being it, they were good special effects. But my God, I, like tone it down a little bit. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, it was an all right sequel. I mean, I, I personally, I'm just gonna. I I don't know. I, I don't see any for me seeing uh, any replay value. Yeah, for I mean, this I don't see any replay value for myself. But I'm not like embarrassed to have this sitting on the show. Oh no, so. no, no! I'm just like. 
Hmm. So, I mean, I, I, I guess in terms of the sequel, maybe it's not the sequel we exactly wanted, but for what it is, it's all right. Honestly, I would have been just fine with the first two. Yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, thought, I, I will agree with that. I, I will say that it, it bookended it nicely. Um, you know, he finally died. But now we find out, you know, he came back to life again after <laughs> being, you know, uh, possibly having a stroke in the first one and being like knocked out of his gourd and then drowning apparently in the second one and then being brought back to life or – just to be shot and stabbed. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, it, it, it. I mean, it. In terms of the sequel, it, it does what it's supposed to do. It's not great, but I mean, like yeah. I said, I, I probably won't be revisiting it anytime soon. But no. for what it was worth, it's it's all right. I yeah. mean, I'll, I'll give it a thumbs in the middle just because I think he, I think Jose Mojica Marins gave it the good old college try. Yeah, I mean, I could see he gave it a try. I'll yeah. still give it. A, I'm still going to give it a thumbs down on this one. I mean, okay. just you know, not, not that he, not that I don't like the you know him as a director or as a as a as a creator, but just I just it was just too much for me. Um, and it just overstepped his bounds. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> again, two kind of did that. You know, they overstepped his butt by, by a couple of feet. This did it by like a couple of miles. It's just like, but again, I mean, I can <laughs> I, I can I I don't hate it, but. It doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> no, that's fine, man. Uh-huh. But, uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, do you have any, any trivia I, for us? I just have one, actually, um, and it was uh, Hallucinations of a Dangerous uh, Deranged Mind from 1978. Uh, Coffin Joe was said to have Hallucinations of a, a Deranged Mind, a reference from an earlier film starring that character from the same director. So that's what I got from there. Um, oh, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, I think over. I mean, overall, I like the series. Um, just not the last installment. Yeah. Um, the one, first one I liked a lot. Second one, there was I liked that one. Yeah. Um, this one not so much. Um, I don't have anything else to say about it. Yeah, I think we can I think put the, the the final nail. Yeah, I think we can put the final nail in, in coffin, Joe. Yes. Yes. So I uh, think that uh, sums up everything on this episode. Yes. Um, is there anything else that you think um, we should be adding, or is well, there... I think that does it for this month. You know, Chris, why don't you tell the listeners what they can expect from not just next month, but over the summer? Oh, yes, yes. Well, we this has been our next episode has been a um, quite the um, monumental, quite test. the mon- yes, monumental. Thank you. Yes, it's been it's been in the planning stages, but we are finally able for to for about a year now, right? Yes, for about a year, but we are finally able to, to enact on it. Uh, it is a very special retrospective of. The cult movie director Herschel Gordon Lewis, aptly titled "That Herschel Gordon Lewis Retrospective," which will be split in not one, not, not two, two, but three. three parts. Yes, folks, three parts. Uh, part one, we will be talking about um, the three films in what is now known as the Blood Trilogy: uh, Blood Feast from 1963, 2000 Maniacs from 1964, and Color Me Blood Red from 1964. And then with part. Th- Part two, we'll be talking about Something Weird from 1967. That's what uh, she said. Yes. Uh, the Gruesome Twosome from 1962. Hey, that describes us pretty well. <laughs> and A Taste of Blood from 1967. Delicious. Yes. And then part three, we will be talking about The Wizard of Gore from 1970 and The Gore Gore Girls from 1972. Um, like I said, it's it's an epic three-part episode Mm-hmm. We hope that you, our faithful listeners, will keep keep a lookout for it. We will inform you when it drops, uh, and we hope that you will like it. Uh, we are in the process of watching the movies. Tim mm-hmm. has already watched the first three films. Yes, I have to go back and rewatch them, but yes. <laughs> and then uh, we will hopefully start getting the recording underway. 
I am very excited for it because, you know. Yeah, he's lifting the table, folks. Yes. With his penis. Yes, yes. <laughs> it, it, it just got stiff and lifted that table up. But anyways, uh, we are very excited to unleash our special three-part episode. And like I said, we hope that you will be ready to enjoy, ready, ready to uh, keep a lookout for it. And we hope that you will enjoy it. But also, we hope you've enjoyed this episode as well. Yes. Uh, do you have anything else you'd like to add? Any kind of information? Uh, that, well, you know, uh, as always, we uh, appreciate your iTunes review. So uh, if you're an iTunes uh, subscriber, please uh, leave us uh, a star rating and a review. It would be much appreciated, as always. If you'd like to reach out to us through our official Facebook page, it's That Horror Show Podcast. Um, you can email us at thathorrorshowpodcast at gmail.com. So, uh, and, be, and just look out for our uh, normal updates. Mm-hmm. And don't forget... Don't just uh, look for our Facebook fan page, but also uh, please join the uh, Speakeasy Podcast Network as well. That's correct. Yes, yes, like that on Facebook Because too. you will not just have our show to look forward to, but many other shows that are part of the network that uh, we like and we also feel that you would like as well. Yes. So, so yeah, until, until next time, dear yes, listeners, folks. have a great night. Yes, have a good one, folks. Well, that's the end of the episode. Thank you for listening.